0: Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast with Jeff Baker and Drew Pelto. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to CSGCards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by SportsCollectorsDaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on SportsCollectorsDaily.com. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker.
1: Hello,
2: everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast Your Sports Collectibles Podcast, where we talk TTM cards, autograph collecting, and a whole lot more. Guys, this might be our, our longest show of the year, and we promise we're going to do better to get shorter shows. <laughs> My name is Jeff Baker. I am the host of the program. This is season five, episode three. It is the weekend of January twenty first. You're listening to the nationally ranked sports podcast. I'm going to get going today, Drew. I promise. I really <laughs> promise, Drew. I'm it's all right. Like- it's,
3: it's still early. It's only four o'clock. So. <laughs> I know. You know
2: what? I am It's. Like, I feel like I'm running the hurdles and my toe is hitting every hurdle as I yep. I, I get to go over it. But I promise, guys, I'm going to do better. That voice you heard in the background, of course, is Drew Pelto. He is my friend and co-host from Dallas, Texas. Hey, Drew.
3: Hey, good to be here as always.
2: Drew, I promise I'm going to get going up and running. I'm going to get going. I promise. Drew, I know you've been doing so much uh, content on YouTube. Why don't you let people know how
3: they can follow you? Yep. Back to doing weekly updates on my YouTube channel. That's DFW Graffer. Just go to youtube.com slash DFW or check my website, DFWGraffer.com. It has links to my YouTube, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, everything that I'm doing there, all the stuff about whatever I'm collecting, all kinds of stuff there. So DFWGraffer.com. Check all that out.
2: Put me to shame guys he is putting me to shame he's got the radio voice he's got everything down perfect he's the man thank you drew guys uh we're gonna we, we, we get some news right the, this is show news what, what should we have a drum roll drew should we have the trumpets and the fanfare what do you think
3: i think we gotta throw all that in there i mean that's got to be like everything get the drum roll going into the trumpets and boom there we go something like that uh, uh,
2: All right, well, Drew and I have been talking about this for, I don't know, two months, right? At least. Yeah. And uh we finally pulled the trigger. We are announcing a uh brand new show. We're gonna we're gonna call it TTM Cast 101. It is gonna be posting every Wednesday. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna take um our weekly interview that we do we've been we've been doing since we started this show five years ago. Um usually the last the one of the last segments we do before we do roundup, right, Drew? Well, yep. We're going to take that interview and make it its own show. So we're going to post a new show every Wednesday, new content every Wednesday. We are going to take that big interview from our podcast on Saturday, put it into the Wednesday show. Our our, our podcasts have been running like three hours, three and a half hours. I think this one's going to run. And we got we understand it's just long. It's a long time we ask for people to be with us. We really appreciate our, our fans. Our numbers indicate that. That you guys like the show, but we're going to try to break it down into two shows. So now, mark your calendar. Wednesday, we'll post it sometime Wednesday, probably around before lunchtime. We'll we'll post it Wednesday, and it will be our uh, the, the, we're going to call it TTM Cast One on One, and we'll see how that goes. Maybe Drew will conduct some of his, some of his own interviews, and we'll we'll use those on the One on One. But it's going to be our our One on One weekly interviews uh next week we are going to have uh i'm gonna uh, i'm not gonna i promised Drew. i'm not i promised this guy that i wasn't going to murder his name that was <laughs> yeah i said he said it'd be on the show but i can't murder his name so next wednesday we're gonna have ryan stagzynski ryan Stigzinski, he is from gemret gemrate.com we're gonna have him he's gonna kick off our very first wednesday show we're gonna bring along uh, csg They'll be a sponsor. We're gonna bring along Sports Cook this daily. They'll be a sponsor. We're looking at new sponsors. If you're interested in sponsoring, please come aboard. We'd love to have you. But TTM Cast 101.
3: What do you think, Drew? I like it. I think it's gonna be good. Uh I mean, anybody who listens to the show regularly, it's gonna be the same amount of content. We're just you know splitting up a little bit now making it a little bit more digestible.
2: Yeah, we're gonna give you guys a little break. So that yeah. that is the plan. Drew, how is your week? I know you got a big you got a big uh thing that event you're going to this weekend
3: yeah i got it is it has been a week let me just say i was without a phone for about 24 hours because my wife and i got new ones we tried to set them up and they switched something around so i was trying to set up uh, so they had what was supposed to be her phone end up as my phone what ended was supposed to be my phone up as her phone so we had to go and get that all sorted out before they finally got to working again but i'm finally back to connected to everything with a new phone so that's great um did you like and, being without a phone because i would really love it i hated it I I hated. it I mean well the the good thing was though at least I could uh, I could still like check Facebook and stuff at least every now and then but not being able to get any calls or texts really screwed it up because it's funny I changed my password on my work computer and then to log back in my work email it had to send me a text with a number code you know to uh, go into that and I realized right after I changed it I'm like oh oh, (laughs) crap okay so I emailed my boss for my personal email I'm like um yeah so here's what just happened I should have it up and running later today though, fortunately. So yeah, I was able to do that, but yeah, it's been a week. I mean, we've got new phones. We're about to pick up a new car on, uh, on Saturday. Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. We've been, uh, needing one for a while now. We're finally going to get that done. Um, had a, uh, our cat was sick. So we had to deal with some stuff with that. Um, I'm dealing with an ear infection pop probably right now. So yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy weird week, but Hey, I got great stuff coming up though. <coughs> Excuse me. Got the, uh, Rangers have been starting up their winter caravan events here over the last week, all over the place. Uh, anybody who knows uh, Aaron Littleton, guest on the show, he uh, did a uh, he went to the one in Wichita Falls this past week. They had a John Gray up there signing, a couple other people as well. But I'm going to be hitting the one in Frisco tomorrow on Saturday morning. It's going to be out at the ballpark there in Frisco, doing one in Arlington on the 26th. They've got the Rangers Fan Fest and uh, an XFL practice both at the same time, right next to each other on the 28th. I'm going to probably go into the uh, XFL practice though. And then a, uh, another Rangers FanFest event out in North Richmond Hills on the 29th. So a lot of winter stuff with the Rangers going on here for me over the next uh, week, week and a half or so, but uh, definitely looking forward to that. Very cool. That sounds very cool. Well, you know what guys, we have a big show
2: for you this week. Our last big show, right? This is the last, the last big show, but not the last bit, not not the last podcast guys, not the last podcast, just the last big show. We are going to have Billy sample, former Texas Ranger and New York Yankee and Atlanta brave outfielder. And he's going to come on and Billy's great. Billy loves to talk and we talk about uh, his career and signing autographs and all sorts of other stuff. So that's coming up. In Collector's Corner, we have Andrew Williams, who's one of our, our longtime listeners. I think he's been with us since day one. Drew, he's like you, he's an Ohio guy. Yep. And we talked to him about collecting and what he loves about TTMing. That is coming up next week. Next week is going to be TTM Cast 101 on Wednesday. We have Ryan Stuzinski. He is the founder of Gemrate. GemRate.com. So we're going to have him on to talk all, everything grading. Uh, He is their Their site follows all the four grading companies and provides all the statistics. And uh, we're going to talk to Ryan about that. And next Saturday, we're going to have Jarrett Leahy, who is a super, super um, Boston Celtics collector. We're going to talk to him about him collecting uh, all the great Boston Celtics and and his rookie cards and autographs. And he has a, a great collection. He was actually uh 2001 beckett uh, super collector of the year so he's been collecting for a while so we're going to we hear from him and we also we'll have
3: Les on drew why don't you let everyone know what we got for uh, our our regular segments this week of course we've got baker's dozen covering all the news from the hobby from the previous week Les wolf as you said will be on in the more from less segment collectors corner with andrew williams we've got a contest winner to announce as well we've got some stuff we've been giving away here recently making the grade covering everything related to grading in the hobby stamp approval where Jeff and I give our two thumbs up to something or other from the previous week could be just about anything. The Vern rap minute covering deaths in the world of sports, celebrity music, movies, politics, anything like that. And of course the reason you're here and the reason we're here, our TTM returns. Cool. Thank you, Drew. Guys, we
2: love to hear from you. That's one of my favorite things is getting feedback from fans. If you're interested in uh, being a guest on the show, because we love hearing from uh Talking to fellow collectors and collector collector's corner. Let us know your thoughts of us, uh, you know, starting a new show on Wednesday. So we'll have a, more content for you guys. And we're not charging. We don't charge. We we give it all away. Right, Drew? Exactly. Send us an email to? TTMcast at Yahoo.com. Very good, Drew. You do it the best is. Another quarter for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? That wraps up all our housekeeping and introductions. We're going to go right into Baker's Dozen.
0: Baker's Dozen, sponsored by SportsCollectorsDaily.com.
2: Just doesn't is a new summary of what's been going on in the hobby. A lot of stuff going on as we start the new year. I just want to remind everyone make sure you check out my article on TTMing and on sportscollectorsdaily.com. Usually post either Tuesday or Wednesday morning. I post all my successes there, pictures of all my successes. We also have updates of what's going on in the show, all sorts of cool stuff. Make sure you check that out sportscollectorsdaily.com. And then also in the uh, January issue of sports collector's digest we have a feature on les wolf i wrote an article on les wolf so that will be in sports collector's digest this month so make sure you check that out Drew, we have some auction news to let everyone know about
3: yes indeed we do heritage auctions has a really cool item up for bidding uh ends a week from now january 27th a 1959 top series one football vending box you don't see very many of those out there anymore ever at all, but it's already gone over a $100,000 on that one. A lot of great stuff on that Heritage Auction. If you can't afford that, there might be something else you can afford, so check them out at ha.com. You'll know,
2: get some news from Tops. Some good news for a change as opposed to messing something up, right, Drew? Yeah. The 2023 Tops Series 1 the flagship is set for release on February 15th. That's kind of cool. It, I think uh, maybe it's a week later than it had in the past, right? But it's still... Mm-hmm. Pretty close, Drew. If you want to get me a Valentine's Day present, there might be an idea for you. Sa- series uh, one, 2023 tops, uh, February 15th. It's coming out. Hobby boxes are going to be 24 packs, 14 cards per pack. You'll get one Ottawa relic. No prices yet. Uh, I would think of maybe a week or two later you'll start seeing some retail blaster boxes and, and hanger boxes and stuff. But usually they they release the hobby boxes first. So if you can't wait, a series one is coming out on February. 15th
3: well if you've been uh, planning on sending to past pros to get dale murphy's autograph you better do that quickly uh he's decided he's going to be taking some time off from uh, signing through past pros after february 1st so if you haven't gotten yours out yet make sure you do that you got about 10 days or so to get through on that so uh if you need dale murphy for a project you're doing if you just want to get it for your own collection better hurry up and do that through past pros right now and if not well might be waiting a while. Waiting a well, while, yeah. He's twenty
2: five dollars, I believe, for mm-hmm. everything. But it's a ro- rookie card and couple. I, I think there's an error card in there that he won't he won't sign. Probably but, that eighty nine uh, upper deck one. Yeah. Right. It's twenty five bucks for Dale Murphy if you need him. Uh, this is. I just want to pass this along. Uh, one one of uh, our listeners is running a uh, on Discord. If you do you have Discord, Drew, do, you, do you I don't Discord? never have used it at all. Okay, so I have a Discord. Um, and they have a Discord. It's called Running to the Mailbox TTM Chat. The gentleman that's running, his name is his uh, username is Jeff one one nine nine nine. It's not me; it's somebody else. But I'm just letting everyone know it's a new uh, Discord, so you want to check it out. It's called Running to the Mailbox. It's TTM Chat. Make sure you check it out. I'm I've signed up for it, um, and it's just it's it's real new. It's only about a week old. Uh, so if you want to if you want uh, another online thing that you can get involved with, it's called Running to the Mailbox TTM Chat on git discord the gentleman's name is jeff 11999
3: make sure you check that out drew some show, so, show news to let everyone know about yes indeed up your up in uh, your area there the foxwoods autograph show at foxwoods casino in connecticut we have doug flutie jim lonborg jerry cheevers dwight gooden johnny busick uh, kevin stevens marcel dion that's a whole lot of hall of famers all right in that in that uh, list there going to Be running January 28th and 29th, prices run about 20 to 29. But that's uh, I mean, for that kind of a group right there, 20 to 29 bucks is not bad at all.
2: Yeah, that's per autograph, guys. That's not yeah. <laughs> that's even not even, even per autograph, that's not bad. Yeah, uh, there's a, a cool show I've been to a couple of times. It's called in Cranston, Rhode Island. It's called the Cranston Rhode Island Show. It's at Coventry High School. It's February 4th and the 5th. It's the 47th year that they've had the show. I believe it's one of the oldest, uh, continually running shows in New England. Uh, maybe even the country. They're going to have about 150 dealers. It's a really good show. Six bucks for admission. Paul Stewart, Ross Brooks will be there signing autographs. Uh, It's a nice show. Lots of vintage stuff, not a lot of new stuff, which I really like. So if you're in the Rhode Island area, check out the Coventry High School show February
3: 4th and the 5th. Uh, Down here in Texas, the Houston Collector's show. We've been talking about that for a couple months now. It's coming up quickly, February 3rd through the 5th. NRG Arena, TriStar is going to be running that one. You can find it at tristarproductions.com. Some of the names signing autographs include Jeff Bagwell, several members of last year's Houston Astros World Series winning team, Julius Irving, Kevin McHale, and probably several others. So check that out.
2: Yep. Also, our, uh, our friends at 757shows.com, 75750 showscom they're the ones that have donated our raffle prizes that, that we'll giving away this week. They have a show in Virginia Beach at the Virginia Beach Fieldhouse. It's February 25th. All sorts of autographed guests, including Dwight Gooden and uh, Negro Leaguer Sam Allen. We're going to have Sam Allen on and the, the organizer from the show on uh, in a week or so. So uh, we will have hit them on the show. Uh, we'll probably run them on our ttm cast one-on-one on wednesdays but uh that, it's a great show check it out it's 757 shows.com virginia beach show february 25th they do take mail order for um their autograph so if you can't if you're not in the virginia peach area and you're looking to get dwight gooden or some of their other guests check it out uh you can you can mail in requests we have a lot of new releases this week
3: as well drew don't we we do indeed and panini immaculate basketball 2022 is coming out one pack, six cards. You get three auto and two memorabilia cards out of that pack. Twenty-two hundred dollars that are on that immaculate product. I know
2: the, the You know what the pri- the pri- price of doing business is just keeps going up and collecting. We should sure mm-hmm. remind everyone uh, get your your stamps, guys. I believe the stamps are going up mo- this Monday. I think, right, Drew? I think. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So if you haven't gotten your stamp, you know it's only, it's going up a couple cents. But you know when you when you do a lot of TGM like Drew and myself. You should go out and, and get some forever stamps and, and save a few bucks. Also a uh, new release is the 2022 panini impeccable football panini impeccable football, one pack, eight cards. There's five to six autos, two to three base cards and one parallel that's going for between a $1, and 1300 bucks
3: panini flawless baseball. Also coming out for 2022, 10 cards per pack. You get one pack per box, seven autographs, two memorabilia, excuse me, two memorabilia cards and one gem card. That's all going to run about $1,750 per box.
2: And lastly, from Topps, we have a, a nice release. It's 2022 Topps Finest Baseball. There's two mini boxes in it, uh, six packs uh, of five cards um, in each box. And you get uh, two autos, What basically one auto in each mini box. And that's going for about $220. So um, check that out. I think that wraps up all our uh, new releases for the week, Drew. And, and we wrap up Baker's Dozen. Uh, next up, we get, we're we going to hear um, more from Les with our uh, our friend. And what, he's our correspondent, right? So he's yeah. our our, our, uh, our correspondent. We're talking, of course, about Les Wolf. Well, more from Les. You know what? This uh, last couple of weeks, we've been asking for questions from our listeners to lessons. So we got a bunch of questions from listeners. So Les answers a bunch of bunch of questions. We talk a little TTMing as well. So please enjoy more from Les Wolf, our hobby, the Hobby Legend. I know he hates when I call him a hobby legend, but, but that's what he is. So here's more from Les.
0: And now it's time for more from Les with Hobby Legend, Les Wolf.
2: All right, guys, it's time for the answer, man. I'm talking about Les Wolf, of course. Les, we've got some questions from our listeners. We can go over. We got some stuff to talk about, a project you're working on, all sorts of cool stuff. So, welcome to the show, Les.
5: Hey, how are you? very good very
2: good Lo- love talking with you love talking collectibles and, and cards and autographs and you know we we put the call out last week for some questions we got some questions from our listeners first we'll go to the for the easy one we had uh, from brian who's one of a uh, great listener of ours just had a question about uh, authenticating ticket stubs is that something you've done before and who would you recommend
5: uh actually it's funny i have a couple of tickets uh in two different in two auctions right now and it's uh the only company that really does anything with the tickets is actually psa you know they slab them and they grade them if you if you want that would be my recommendation the only thing is like anything else it's going to take you a couple of months to get them back jsa doesn't do anything with tickets if they're not signed they don't do anything unfortunately
1: okay
2: and then how about beckett beckett sometimes does off off stuff but... i haven't
5: seen any beckett slab tickets it's primarily uh psa
2: are you surprised how popular ticket subs have been coming in the last year or so it's been really uh there's been a real upswing in ticket subs i think
5: well mainly because they start they stop giving out the real tickets you know it's very hard if you go to a game and something happens in that game it's very hard to get an actual uh, ticket to that game
2: yeah, i I try to anytime I can. I try to get a, a real ticket, but I know most of them are now digital, which which is not good.
5: No, that's true.
2: All right. we have some uh, we have a, a five part questions from from my friend at four six three double play two on twitter. He, he's He's a, a big time collector. In fact, I think Les he's trying to finished like seven or eight autograph sets and he put it out at his list the other day and he's got probably four to 500 of of every set from like 70 to to nah, 83 or something like that
5: wow he's, he's wow he's
2: uh he's a real big time uh collector of uh, cards and autographs so um he, he had some questions he said what's the best pen for baseballs
5: baseballs that's an extra that's an easy one extra fine uh Bic blue blue ballpoint pen it's the That's- round st- round stick bick but it's got to be extra fine if you can get it usually you got to pre- you got to special order it from Staples or wherever you buy your pens from
2: and how about what's the best marker for cards
5: is it still a regular Sharpie no it's not okay <laughs> Ryan Dern may rest in peace uh i handed him uh Stadler, S-T-A-E-D-T-L-E-R, permanent marker. He said to me, he says, you know, Les, I used one of those pens and I signed 5,000 cards. <laughs> you no, know, that's really good. Uh, it's a very thin, looks like a Sharpie, but it's a very thin marker and it, it's terrific on cards. But on cards, you always got to be careful of the shine. Uh, sometimes you got to use a little baby powder to get the shine off. So that that you know that's what I would do on cards, but definitely the Stadler Luma color uh permanent marker. And preferably blue.
2: Yeah, I like blue as well. But I do some of the ones that are dark, I don't mind
5: a silver. Gotta be careful with silver, silver and gold. Usually the autographs um gonna come off. Especially if you put it in a plastic sheet in a loose leaf. And I'm always worried about that in, in a holder because I've seen some photos that have been framed that uh, the, the, the silver or gold comes off on the glass. So you'd be yeah. very careful. And that's one of the reasons why I pulled out all my uh, color eight by 10 glossies in black and white. If they were signed in silver or gold, I noticed I, I'd lose some of the signature on the plastic sheet. So I pulled them out and just put them in a box. Is
2: there best is there a better best way to store autograph cards either in top loaders or penny sleeves or in binders deeper? Do, do you have any preference for that?
5: Actually, um, probably the best way is actually to get them slab, but there's only one big problem with slabbing that most people don't know. Well, there's two problems with slabbing. First off, they're not waterproof. Second of all, if you if you have it framed up in a frame and it's not UV glass protected, we just have it sitting in a in an encapsulation on a wall or somewhere. The sunlight or the UV or the uh, or the lighting in your house can fade the autograph.
2: Okay. Do you? But would you put it in a um, penny sleeve before you put it in a top loader, or just put it in a straight binder page, or what? Well, what do you recommend for that?
5: It, it's depend upon your your preference. The the problem when you put it in a in a binder sleeve is taking it in and out. That's going to cause the uh, car to possibly um, get, you know, the corners are going to get rough where your finger is going to get on it and it's yeah. going to cause oils and stuff. So I prefer, I personally keep them in the plastic sheets in my, in a loose leaf, but that's not the ultimate way. I mean, most of the time I never take them out. If you leave it that way, you're probably safe, but uh, the, the ultimate way is to slab it. But hopefully one day, PSA, Beckett, SGC, or you name it, will be able to come up with a waterproof case and UV protected from sunlight and uh, and regular lighting. What's the best
2: way to store an autographed baseball,
5: uh, he asks. Autographed baseball is the same thing. Uh, The slabbing doesn't waterproof it, and it doesn't protect it from light or sun. Um, And I've noticed... There is no great way. I mean, if you have a black Sharpie or a black ballpoint pen signed on a baseball, no matter what you're going to do, that's going to fade eventually. Or if you don't have that big big fine point blue ink, it's still going to fade. It's just a matter of the luck. Um, Keep it out of the sunlight. Most people like to display them uh, in in showcases in the house and show it off. But the lighting, if it's got to be the proper lighting, it's got to be LED lighting. And you got, you know, you can't have just regular um, fluorescent lighting in there because that's going to hurt the autographs. Very, very careful. I also use a UV, um, was it Pro? I uh, forget. I forget the name of the plastic sheets. I got to look. Ultra um, Pro? Ultra Pro, yeah. Ultra Pro. Uh, they make a nice uh, case for baseballs.
2: Is, is there any way to keep the baseball from yellowing or, or uh, you know, having the, that? Brown the brown spots that that tends to get is there way
5: um the less times you're handling the ball with your fingers uh the better off your chances are with that but some baseballs are notorious notorious for um having you know toning on it no matter what you do it's still going to tone because of the type of leather they use i think it was the bobby browns was was an issue it's all a matter of luck to be honest with you on, on that
2: do you prefer um you know official league balls or uh you know a world series balls or some type of uh, a hall of fame ball do you, do you is there a logo ball that you prefer or type of ball that you prefer
5: all depends on who the player is and all depends on you know what you want if you're building a collection of all the mvps in the world series you want to get them on world series balls if you're collecting uh Hall, you know, rookies of the year, you want them on rookies of the year ball. If you want them on one Hall of Fame, Hall of Famers on Hall of Fame balls, that's what you want to collect. But all, you have to collect Major League Baseballs, period. There's, you know, uh, there's a big difference in non-Major League, but, you know, with, with the leather, you may get lucky with some of the other type of baseballs, but, you know, most of the balls are cheap, non-leather balls, the plastic ones, the autographs are going to leave you.
2: There, I don't know if they still have them, but they used to be American League balls and National League balls. Do we still have those, or now they just major league balls, right?
5: They're just major league balls now. We don't it's have deep. American, we don't have American League and National League anymore. They used to, though. Correct. They used to back when I back in my day.
2: Yeah, that's what I thought. Does it bring the value down if you get, uh, you know, Brooks Robinson on a National League ball, or you know, on a National League ball, where they never played in the National League, or that doesn't really matter
5: it all depends honestly if you're a purist you know if you're a purist you only want to get the guy on the, the league that he played in but not more you know more often than not, as long as it's major league you don't have to worry
2: all right the last question for from our friend at uh he's four six three two double play two on twitter and uh i should send you his list he's got an incredible list of uh i can't imagine so that's what he's working on he just pu- pushed it published it the other day he asked what type of binder or binder pages uh are best to score store cards
5: the ultra pro uvs i i prefer um as far as a binder i don't think it really matters as long as it's a sturdy binder i find that i buy my my binders i buy at cvs not cvs uh staples okay. i get the extra big rims um because i store as you've seen it shows I put a ton of autograph pages in them. Yep. Um, you usually get the staples. I'm just looking at one right now. Just um, has staples on it, really. But like anything else, the more times you handle it, the more times people handle it, the condition of the binder is going to be affected, and the ring's eventually going to break.
2: Yeah, I've had that problem as well in the cheaper binders. We're talking with Les Wolf, of course, from Les Wolf, from Les Wolf Sports, LLC. He's been collecting autographs and, and memorabilia for over 60 years. Uh, if you have a question for Les, if you want to send a question and send it to me at ttmcast at yahoo.com. It's ttmcast at yahoo.com. Uh, you know, if you have an item that you'd like to maybe Les give an appraisal for, if you have a qu- autograph that you don't know who it is, or your question, you want to question, uh, it's, authenticity he can give you give a help on that he also uh is talk we has always talks about preserve, preserving your collection which we talked a little about today uh, so send us our questions if we use the use your question on the air we'll uh, give you a prize we'll give you i got i have some csg hats i'm gonna give send to these guys so thank you for the question guys uh les i know you're uh, you're working on a on a, a project with your son that we we're talking about before we started recording why don't you let people know a little about the project and how it's going
5: well I don't know if many people know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm still a huge collector. In order for me to become a dealer in this hobby, I I, excuse me, in order to maintain my collection, I had to become a dealer to afford my addiction. (laughs) uh, I have two boys and I was going to, I was collecting, I have two NBA 50 sets of everybody slabbed autographed. And um, my youngest son really has no, no real interest in any of that. But my oldest son, We've been doing some things together. When I buy a collection, I give them the cards, let them play with it, and I'll let them keep the money, whatever it is, whatever I pay for it. But the one NBA uh, 50 set that's all PSA slab, they decided I'm going to sell one of them and use some of that money to try to go for the NBA 75. So I went through my books, and I found I had about 10 of them, and I needed about 15 so I just picked up a really nice uh, out of uh, Hunt's auction, a really nice Carmelo Anthony card, a numbered nice. one uh, with a beautiful autograph. I'll have to get that slabbed. Um I have coming in. I just bought on eBay a nice Kawhi Leonard, but I'm having trouble trying trying to find. I want my son and wants me to make sure I get cards of the guys in uniform, not in college uniform. You know, you know, like the Leaf cards, which I kind of like. So. I went to the show this past weekend. I started pricing cards. I said, oh my God, the numbers. I mean, I already realized a while ago that the LeBron card, if anybody has an extra LeBron card that's certified and signed they want to sell, I'm I'm interested. I'm interested in Curry, Anthony Davis, Duncan, Durant, uh, Harden, Lillard, Rodman, which should be pretty easy, Dwayne Wade, Westbrook, uh Wilkins. And Giannis, I almost bought a Giannis, but it didn't have his un uh, it didn't have a uniform on. Okay, so my son vetoed that deal that I was going to buy. But I mean, I'm down to twelve. You know, is there much, is
2: there one is there one in that group that's really difficult?
5: Um, I think that the uh, LeBron is going to be the most difficult one to find. One that's not a fortune of money. I prefer them being certified, you know, by by one of the card companies or slabbed in a PSA holder. This way I know that they're good. Yeah. Because it's just LeBron's autograph is such a crap graph and he's a tough autograph that I can't see. I see a lot of bad stuff on him. Have you ever gotten him on per, in person? Yes, I did. Um, he did a book signing in New York Barnes and Noble years ago. And I got a couple of books from that. Did you
2: What? get what, the show you're talking about is the Terrytown show, correct? Yes. How was, the, how was that show? Because you, you didn't work it. You just went as a collector. And, and, I went as a collector
5: yeah. looking around and dropping off stuff for uh, keep Jimmy Spence's bank account moving. <laughs> like he needs it less. Well, you know, uh, God bless the man. He's, he's very uh, innovative. You know, he's one of the first people that was actually besides some selling his autographs, he was doing framing. So I have a couple of things that I still have that he did that he framed for me years ago so uh, he's just he's just a good gentleman, great guy uh good to deal with then and, and fun. He's still a collector at art.
2: yeah, I've had but him on the show a couple of times and, and him and I text every once
5: in a while a good man, very good man. so what did you pick up at the show um i what did I buy at the show well i- gave, I gave Spence a bunch of things to get um authenticated um did I buy anything at the show? um no i don't think i did actually
2: no you didn't get any autographs they had a lot of autograph guests right
5: yeah yeah i mean it was a zoo with that i mean i almost pulled the trigger on a couple of signed basketball cards but i figured you know the numbers that people were asking for some of the cards that i need was just incredible you know and the new cards uh signed uh, it is just ridiculous
2: you're talking um, that that were in in some in a box, right? That they pulled from a box, or as opposed to
5: yeah, some of them that were pulled from a box that was they had slabbed or, or they were yeah. slabbed. I mean, these dozen guys, I should be able to get Dominic Wilkins pretty easily, I think, and Rodman. After that, it's going to get a little difficult.
2: Yeah, remember we saw Dominique was we saw him at our our uh, listener right? Night. right. There, I, didn't a, I didn't have
5: a card. I didn't have I I didn't realize I didn't have a card signed by him. <laughs> I, know uh, got honestly, it. I think he was i think he was good but i don't think he's nba 75 there's a couple of guys i think are kind of questionable on the, this nba 75 who 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 got left
2: off the, in your mind that should be on it
5: no it's a matter who got on it no
2: no i understand that but is there any if somebody get got on that shouldn't get on then somebody got shortchanged right is there anyone out there
5: who, I'd, I'd, I'd have to think about that one i mean like for example uh jason Kidd was good but I don't know, is he NBA 75? Hmm.
2: Yeah, I think I, I agree with you. I think he's the next level down.
5: Um Gary Payton was a good defensive guard and a good ball player. Is he NBA 75? I don't think so. Yeah.
1: Well,
2: some of these guys, because they had the personality, right? And they uh, they had the uh...
5: Paul Pierce for the same factor, I don't think, deserves to be on there.
2: Hey, 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 easy there.
5: <laughs> no, I, no, I'm not just saying that because he's a he was a Celtic. I just don't oh. think he was NBA seventy five.
2: Well, he need he needed Garnett to pull him over the top, right?
5: I think Garnett is NBA seventy five. Yeah. I mean, if you it, you know take Reggie Miller out of that, if you take the Knicks out of Reggie Miller, then is Re, is Reggie Miller NBA seventy five? Without I, think, I I think so, don't you? He was good, but I don't think he was great. I think. He, He's mainly known for killing my Knicks.
2: Well, he was certainly a, a, a great scorer. You can't take that away from
5: him. Oh, you. I won't dispute that. Yeah, he was a terrific scorer. Oh,
2: he, I, I I would say he's I, I would say he's a, a top 75 player, definitely. How are you doing on TTMs? Have you been sending any TTM requests out?
5: Oh, I just got back one. I forgot I even mailed to him. Oh, who'd you get? Don Bosch, an old Met outfielder. Because I had a wire photo that came from the uh, Bud Harrelson estate. So now I have to figure out how to get Bud Harrelson on it. But uh, it's a nice old photo of them of them both batting. With with um, Harrelson batting lefty and Bosch batting righty. And Bosch signed it right across. We lost a couple
2: of great TTMers this past week. We lost Frank Howard, the original Frank Howard. Did you, have, uh, did you ever get to meet him? He was an original Met.
5: Did he, pet? Oh, no, not, not Frank Howard. You're thinking of... I'm not Frank Howard. I'm Frank Thomas. I'm sorry. Frank Thomas, yeah. Yeah, I met him. Very very personable guy. Very nice guy. Fra- Frank Howard is just... I remember going to spring training with my kids when we... when first time... The you know, one and only time I did spring training, really. And Frank Howard was sitting in the outfield after the game or before the game and just sign away. And he's just so personable, Frank Howard. But yeah, people, I, people don't realize they never saw him play. He was like, um,
1: like, He's you know, like Judge, he, wasn't he?
5: He was. He was. Yeah. Actually, that's a good analogy. He was big like Judge, but he did monster shots. I mean, Judge Judge nowadays you can see the homers um, measured the distance and everything. When Howard was playing, you couldn't see the distance at home runs. It was uh, you. You just watched the ball go a million miles. He'd hit a rockets. He was one big, strong man.
2: Yeah, we lost uh, Chris Ford, who was hit the uh, the first NBA three pointer, and was coach for the Celtics, and it was an uh, NBA uh, cha- champion with the Celtics. Did you ever meet Chris?
5: Another very nice man, very nice. Yeah, he was he was great through the mail. I mean, it's just sad, you know. A lot of these guys are passing away now.
2: Yeah, we lost and we lost Bill Campbell, who was a great TTMer. or so the some of the the, the oh, great... I didn't. Know.
5: We lost Soup.
2: Yeah. He passed away last week.
5: Oh, I didn't even realize that one. I missed that yeah. one. He he was a great
2: TTM. he would say He used to sign everything.
5: He was great in person, also really yeah. nice guy.
2: Yeah, that's what I understand. I never met him. I know he used to come up here to um to Sports World. Uh, you know uh, Phil's Bill place. At, yeah, and and sign here every once in a while. But uh, and everyone that, that that's talked about Bill Campbell says he's a, <laughs> a really was a really nice guy.
5: No, he was terrific.
2: You got any more shows coming up?
5: You know, I was thinking about doing it. Was a big uh, Yankee show coming up in the, in two weeks, but to tell you the truth, when these when these um, when these dealers are doing that haven't done many shows and they're asking about the same amount of money as the national, I kind of uh, hem and whore, you know, whether or not it's worthwhile doing it. You That's know, a I, New. Is
2: it, that the one in New Jersey? Is there one Jersey? in
5: New Jersey? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, My another dealer that usually sets up with me at the, the Jimmy Ryan shows, I saw him set up at the in uh, Tarrytown and we were talking and basically I said to him, I said, "Hey, are you setting up? He said, he said, you know what they want for, for a booth that he normally has like three or four tables. I said, how much? He said sixteen hundred dollars for wow. two days. I said, I don't think I can uh, I can do a show like that. It's just not 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 going to be cost effective for me.
2: Right, because if you don't get that one or two good sales, then you're you're just going to hang yourself.
5: Yeah, no, yeah, but you know, I mean, you're not going to hang yourself. Well, right? you know what I mean. <laughs> but um, it's a tough, it's a tough nut to crack, really. All you right, we we're
2: talk, we talking with Les Wolf, of course. Les Wolf is from leswolfsportsllc Any big sales on on the site? Any any interesting sales that you you've had in the last couple of weeks?
5: interesting sales i sold the roger maris ball that i had to michael uh best wishes roger maris and underneath it for some reason this guy got mike shannon underneath it so and it was on a giles ball so i just sent that to my to a customer and he's ecstatic so and i just got the jsa letter finally to go with it beautiful ball really beautiful beautiful ball
2: well marisol's a pretty big signer. Back in the day, right?
5: He was a great signer.
1: Yeah, it's like
2: thought. great
5: signer in the mail. Absolutely great guy, period. Very cool. You'd have all a hard right, time to find anybody nicer than him.
2: All right, but I think we're good. I think uh, you got anything else you want to talk about, or I'm gonna let you go.
5: Um I I think I think we gotta really touch a little bit upon having people call calling to us more and doing a call-in show where they can ask us live questions. Um, and as far as protecting your collection, I think that's one of the most um, not, most overlooked thing in the hobby. I mean, you've heard this thing called the vault that the PSA is doing and Golden's doing and a couple auction houses are doing, basically just so they have the people's stuff and it can hold it and protect it in there. But what good is having stuff in a vault? If you can't actually just pull it out and take a look at it and see it, so I mean, it's catch 22s to everything. But the big another big problem that people don't realize is you need to have that stuff insured. Yeah. Uh, like like I had, I just had another another water issue in my house, and I had a couple, you know, five hundred home run litho that got damaged, Mickey Mantle litho damaged, nice. um, and that was hanging on a wall, and and the water dripped down. So, um, I cannot emphasize enough how much people need to have their memorabilia insured and protected. Um, The first thing people should be doing, you know, the first thing people do is they run and buy, spend 10, 20, 50, 100, $200,000 on memorabilia just so they can have it. But the next thing they should be doing is looking into having it appraised by someone like myself and have it insured. And even more important, is properly protected.
2: Right. And before you go to someone calls you in or another appraiser in, they really should have a pretty good inventory of what they have. Correct.
5: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's, um, that's very important. I mean, if you want me to do that, it's going to cost you a lot more money to have me do it, but you are better off doing that yourself. And it makes, makes the actual, uh, appraisal a lot easier to
2: do. All right, Les. Thank you. Boys, if you guys, if you have a question for Les, send it to me at ttmcast at yahoo.com. Just put in question for less or for less in the subject line. If we use your question on air, we'll send you a prize. Guys, thanks for submitting questions this week. We'll talk to Les ne- uh Les next week about what's been going, going on in the hobby and, and catch up with him and uh, see how he's doing on, on his project, and, and uh, maybe he can maybe we can do a preview of how my Red Sox is going to beat the Yankees this
5: year. I don't know about that. <laughs> you guys are in the rebuilding. And if anybody has any collections that they're looking to sell, or anybody looking for any specific launches, let me know because I'm constantly filling uh, wants of collectors out there. Uh, always looking for choice. I mean, we got a nice Cobb autograph they're looking to sell, or Clemente index card or something i have customers looking for that stuff so just let me know
2: did you end up buying that collection
5: with the will chamberlain and, and uh bill russell photo that, that you had- that's a funny story so the, the guy first time ever the guy actually paid me for my time and i um told him what i'd pay and i raised it another 500 dollars, and when i told him he could keep the money that he you know i would give him back the money that he had me to look at everything I call him back. Uh, you know, what I decided to do. I decided to buy it from the guy myself. He said, "Hey, he got tired of, you know, schlepping it around, bringing it, and and the guy w- couldn't make a deal, so he bought it himself and kept it." And so, if you ever want to sell it, let me know. Yeah, that's so, a nice photo. Yeah, but that was the best thing in the whole collection, and I was paying like I was going to be paying like a thousand for this Russell Chamberlain photo. And when I looked up, I I saw people asking ridiculous numbers on eBay. But in actuality, is a twelve to fifteen hundred dollar retail on it.
2: Yeah, so you you weren't making a killing on it.
5: No, no, but that you know that and people don't realize if someone like myself is buying your collection, the ad, and I figured it out for you know a lot of times if it's a large collection, the average time spent to sell that collection and to own to make some money on it and come close to making a profit or making money on it is about a year. People don't realize that.
2: Right. I'm sure just in terms of inventorying it and carrying it around to show to show and making and promoting it, however you're going to promote it, the cost of the the, uh, online, whatever, whatever the cost is, there's a lot of built-in costs and that people don't understand that.
5: And and it also, you know, another factor, I mean, I used to pay a lot more for collections until I realized that I have to get everything authenticated. Right. As, As another dealer told me a long time ago. We no longer uh, just sell autographs. We sell we sell letters, you know, letters from JSA, PSA, Beckett. That's what we're doing is selling letters of authenticity.
2: Yeah, and, and 15 years ago, that was basically unheard of, right?
5: Yeah, you didn't have to worry about that. I mean, I'd be able to pay pay you know, pay people a lot more money for their collection back then than now. I mean. If I have to spend a couple of thousand dollars to get your collection um, authenticated, uh, I can't, that's money that I can't pay you. Right.
2: True. So maybe guys, if you're thinking of selling a collection, try to get it authenticated prior to uh, bringing something in to purchase it.
5: Um, that's a catch 22 also. Okay. I had, a, I had a guy that had a very large collection and wanted to sell it. And he said, I'm going to get it all Authenticated. I said, but you don't seem to realize that what you would pay to have it authenticated is going to be a lot more than what I'm going to pay. And you're probably not going to make your money back. Okay. Another thing that people just don't realize.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's so expensive to get stuff authentic- authenticated nowadays.
5: Plus, uh Jimmy's got Jimmy's like a couple of months back on letters. So, you know, you got to take that into consideration.
2: All right, guys. So if you have any questions for Les, send them on over. If you have any questions about selling your collection, protecting your collection, even if you're looking for specific stuff, I I get uh, questions that I send to Les all the time about guys looking for things. So send off your questions to me at ttmcast.yahoo.com, and we will have Les on next
5: week. Thanks, Les. Thank you. I look forward to being on again. As always, a pleasure to be on. With a Red Sox fan that just knows that the Yankees have how many World Series? is that I know? I know. Well, just don't forget that. And uh, all right, ready, set, you, go, ready South, you want to go Yankees? Celtics yeah. next? You want to go Celtics next? Hey, well, you know what? You you don't want, you don't want to go there, my friend. <laughs> What's your team worth compared to my team? Sure. Just because it's a real estate deal. Oh, you always know, say it only has to do with real estate. Come on, it's not just real estate. Location,
2: location, location. All right, buddy, you have a good week and I will talk to you next week.
5: You're welcome. Take care of you. Well.
2: Les is the best, Drew. You just serve it up. He, all you have to do is just give him a, 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 a slow, high one, and he just knocks it out of the pocket every time. He's, he's really fun to talk to. I love that he's part of the show. Les will be with us again next week. If you have any questions for Les, if you'd like him to check out uh, authenticity of an autograph that you might have gotten, or if you have a um, thing that you might want to get appraised, pra- now's the time, consented it to me. Send it to us at ttmcast at yahoo.com. All right, that wraps up More From Less. Next up, we're going to have Collector's Corner.
0: And now it's time for Collector's Corner. Let's hear from our collector this week.
2: Collectors Corner. with This week we get to talk with Andrew Williams. Andrew Williams has been listening uh, since the I think my the very first show, if not the first show, definitely the second show. He's been with us for a while. He uh, he always enters our contests. He's a great collector, a great TTMer, and we talked to Andrew about um, his collection and, and and collecting stuff. But after I interviewed Andrew, Andrew he came to me in like a, a, a oh no. Like I, I forgot something. I, you know, he, he he sends me, call me right away, call me right away. I go, what's up, Andrew? Did you say something you didn't want to say on the show? He's like, no, 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 no. On the interview, I, mean, I go, no, no, no. I forgot to tell you this great story, so I'm going to share this story that Andrew shared after I had already conducted the interview. But it's still a good story, and it was really neat. Remember, Drew, that it, we interviewed the gentleman that's going for the 1986 Flair set to get all autographed, right? Yes. Yep. So he he's a Boston guy. He lives at like one town over from me. And I didn't even realize this when I when I um I asked him for an interview. I was just, oh, it's kind of cool. He's you know, he's collecting the 86 set. And he got down to, I think he was down to like three or four cards when I when I talked to him. Yeah. When I finally talked to him, he was down to like three or four cards. So he gave out the three cards that he needed, or four cards that he still needed to complete his set. And one of them had to be happened to be one of your your guys, Drew. I'm talking Dan Ralfield former Cleveland Cavalier, right? Yep. Andrew's been collecting forever and he just happened to have the Dan Roundfield card in his collection autographed. Now, you and me, we would have a Dan Roundfield card and it'd be like, you just have it, just take it, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying, you know, we would just gladly, it's just like, Dan Dan Roundfield doesn't mean anything to me, but yeah. to our friend that was collecting that needed that set, you know how it is when you get down to those last couple of cards, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. So he he offered our friend was it when I gave you the number, then I don't want to I don't want to say it off out loud in terms of I don't let people know how much he got offered for it, but it's a four-figure number, right? Yeah. And it's if if someone said, Hey, I'm gonna give you X for this Dan Roundfield card, that you'd probably just give to give it to the guy because it didn't, it didn't have any value to you. Well, Andrew was so happy. He couldn't get that card in the mail fast enough yeah. so we so we hooked up andrew with with our 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 guy that was collecting the 1986 uh sign set our guy gets the card andrew gets his money everyone's happy and you know what it was like a love connection by ttm cass <laughs>
3: You know, at that price that he got, I would have probably flown the card out to him myself just about for that. I mean, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be there tomorrow. So. I know. So congratulations. Please, guys, enjoy my interview with Andrew
2: Williams and Collector's Corner. Guys, it's time for Collector's Corner, and we're going to talk with Andrew Williams. Andrew Williams has been listening to my show, I think, since the beginning. You'll correct me on that one, Andrew, but he's a he's a dedicated listener. He always enters our contest. He's won a few of them, and I thought it'd be good to just talk to a fellow TTMer and uh, shoot the breeze with, with a fellow collector here in Collector's Corner. So welcome to the program, Andrew.
4: Thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: You know what, I, I appreciate your listening and your support of the show, and why don't you tell us a little about yourself and, and how you got involved in collecting?
4: Sure. i uh, native Ohioan, Cincinnati fan, both the Reds and the Bengals, also Ohio State and University of Cincinnati. I'm a graduate of University of Cincinnati, so those are really the, the teams professionally and collegiately I follow. And as I think back on collecting, how I started was probably, I hate to say it, but 50 years ago. Wow! <laughs> yeah, with the, with the Sunoco stamps uh, that the NFL in the 72, gas station, right? 72. seventy-two stamp book. I remember getting that along with my older brother. He got a book, as did I, and uh, started collecting. That was really the first thing I ever collected, and you know, picked up cards, you know, through the seventies and eighties, um, baseball and football. But the, that was the origin of collecting those uh, stamps back in seventy-two.
2: Are you uh, a set collector? Are you collecting specific teams or players? or uh, Is there a sport you you like more? Is there anything that you kind of specialize in?
4: Yeah, I probably lean toward football more, uh, especially in the TTMs. Uh, I've been TTMing probably 30-plus years, so I've gotten all the guys that you you would know that that sign for us. So I really focus on Reds, Bengals. And, and really, my newest project is I'm trying to TTM all of the living uh, players who play for the Cincinnati Royals, which was an NBA team here in Cincinnati from 58 to 72 before going to Kansas City and then obviously on, on to Sacramento. So there are several of those guys still alive that uh, do sign. So I'm, I'm working on that project.
2: Was Kuzi the coach for them?
4: He was the last coach uh, for the Royals here in '72, and another Boston connection was Tiny Archibald, played for the Royals here, and uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Bob Cousy was the coach, and if you if you talk to certain people in town, they kind of blame Bob for for the for the Royals leaving. So <laughs> have
2: I'm you have you I know, that, but yeah, <laughs> I know the Kuz is a great TTM. Or have you uh, said you sent him any questions about his time in Cincinnati? It's something something you don't hear him talk about.
4: Right. I've gotten him TTM, but I never have asked him, you know, about that. It's, uh, it is a curious question. I'd love to, I'd love to hear his side of the, of the royal story, if you will.
2: Um, how many requests do you think you send out a month?
4: Probably about 15. And I'm really utilizing, you know, some of the, the address sources that you discuss a lot. You know, it'll let you know, you know who's signing and then I can then narrow it down there by team. And then I'm able, if I have the cards fine, if not, then I'm able to, you know, grab them on eBay. So I'm really going for, you know, again, those specific Reds, Bengals, and Royals at this time.
2: How many Royals do you have? Because I'm sure a lot of those guys aren't still with us, right?
4: Right. Yeah, I probably have about eight to ten of the Royals. I've, I just uh, got my mail before we, uh, we jumped on this call, and I got a Tom Van Arsdale that i'm going to be sending to him i picked up one of his cards
2: yeah he's he, 20 bucks i believe right
4: yeah his fee's 20 so i'll i'll, I'll get that out to him so yeah. yeah he's
2: he he signed he signed for me and he sent a, a note uh my my fee is 20 dollars. okay thank you tom <laughs>
4: <laughs> and i need to get tidy, uh archibald i don't have him and I've looked at some of the resources, and I'm not really sure of his signing habits or fee, he, or if he's is he signing now. So yeah,
2: I met him at a, at the um, the the uh, what do you call it the Naples basketball thing two years ago, and he was kind of a, a grumpy guy, if you will. And he was he was um, he used to sign a lot through the mail, but I don't think he signs through the mail anymore.
4: Yeah, I've seen no recent successes, and he would be a, he would be one that I'd really like to get, but we shall see.
2: Yeah, I was looking at, I'm a big uh, California uh, Golden Seals guy from, from back in the day, I don't know why, and I was going to try to get all the guys that played for the Gal- California Golden Seals, and I was like, you know, I got so much stuff, so many things going on, I don't know if I need an, another project, you know? Yeah,
4: Yeah. I I with the Royals, like you said, there's not many of the guys still around, number one, and then number two, that will sign. So I'm, I'm trying to scoop those up, because uh, it's kind of a neat Cincinnati history that you know it's been 50 years since they left so there's there's not many folks who really remember them frankly so
2: who's who's your your white whale that you'd like to get uh, an autograph from is you know i know you said tiny but is there anyone that you'd really really like to get an autograph from
4: yeah i really want to get i i anticipated that question Jeff. so i've been thinking about that um joe namath i do not have a joe namath and okay. i would like to get he, he's the one i would really like to get on that rookie was that 64 tall boy or 65 tall boy whatever card yeah that is. i haven't
2: i haven't seen him do any signings recently have you
4: i have not and i check regularly
2: yeah he would he would be a good one i don't think i have a name with either i know um my, our pal les wolf hat has one he's signed he's selling i think it's just a picture though um but that that rookie card would be a really nice card to get to get um do you still have do you have a lot of cards from when you were a kid and, and you've kept your cards or have you just been re, uh reacquiring stuff
4: I've been more in the reacquire mode. I sold a lot. We moved to a a new home about two years ago. So I sold probably 50,000 cards, I would say. Mostly, you know, late 70s into the 80s, into the junk wax era. Did
2: it hurt? Did it hurt to sell? them?
4: (laughs) It hurts more every day. (laughs) It didn't hurt initially, but the pain seems to intensify as time goes on.
2: I'm with you, my friend. I don't, I've never sold one of my cards and my wife is always on me. You got to sell some of these. You got too much, too many cards. And she's a hundred percent right. But I just, I don't know if I can get, it's like cutting off my arm or something, you know?
4: Yeah. And I did keep all my, all my autograph cards, which I probably have 15,000 raw autographs.
2: Do you you get your cards graded or authenticated? Yes,
4: I do. I've been really into that, you know, both through Beckett and PSA. It's been something I've enjoyed doing. It uh, helps with the storage and, you know, resale. I do, I, do, I, would, I do resale some that, not a whole lot of them, but some I have resold. So that obviously, you know, helps w- when it's authenticated. And uh, it's, it is something I've been doing quite a bit lately.
2: Do you have a man cave where you, where you have all your stuff? Do you, did your wife give you some room in the house to display your stuff?
4: I do have a little spot. Uh, I'd like to expand it. <laughs> but you uh, and me both <laughs> yeah yeah and uh you know i've got some i've got some, I, well, of course everybody thinks their their collection's great but i think i have some some really you know i like the cincinnati you know at end of it so i've got some good bengals and reds things and
2: who's your favorite bengal player
4: of all time or current yeah all time uh probably anthony munoz mm-hmm. he he signs Fantastic. for
2: free to, did you get him
4: he actually wants $20 for his foundation, but I have okay. gotten him on numerous cards and also mini helmets. That's one thing I also have. Probably 70 to 80 mini helmet sign of the football, which is fun.
2: Who who do you have out right now? Who are you waiting on to get, come back to, do you know?
4: Um trying to remember. A couple of Royals, Bob Arnson. If you know that name that's a that's a that's a blast from the past yeah i also, don't know him adrian smith who played for uh university of kentucky and for the royals i don't know about his health he lives here in town and i'm i'm wondering about his his physical health so I, I sent a request out to him haven't seen any recent requests so i'm fearing that uh he's not able to sign anymore but we'll see
2: do you send cards or uh car- pictures or what? what do you tend to send
4: I send the cards just because of the the ease, it's easy to store them you know in the monster boxes or you know in the cases've I've got for you know my you know PSA slabs so just I like those so just this the size and ease of storing
2: we're speaking with Andrew. Andrew Williams. Andrew is a huge collector, a TTMer, and also a great listener. We're talking to him about his collection and, and, and TTMing, uh, and, and some of the things that that he's collecting. He's a Cincinnati Bengals fan, a Royals fan. A uh, 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 what are they? Cincinnati? Were they Royals? What were they?
4: Yeah, the basketballs Royal. Basketballs Royals as well,
2: yeah. So he he uh he's he's definitely a, a, an Ohio guy, Ohio State. And uh, sorry you didn't you didn't make the finals there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was rough. Do you get do you get too many shows?
4: We do have uh numerous shows in the area. We actually have a monthly show. I don't get to it monthly, but you know, on the smaller side. There's a local high school, Moeller High School, which is Probably yep. Ken High Griffey's, school. right? Yeah. That
2: was Ken Griffey's school. Yeah, Ken
4: Griffey Jr. attended school there. And uh, they do a, a November show right on the Thanksgiving weekend. It's probably the biggest show around that uh, runs three days. So I try to make it to that one. Are you a
2: big in-person guy? You know, Drew is a, is a huge in-person guy. He loves doing in-person. I'm a little leery of it. You know, 50-year-old guy asking a 17, a 19 or 20-year-old kid for an autograph. I just feel a little funny about it. I don't know about, how about you?
4: Yeah. Uh, the only in-person I would do is that, you know, the Reds do uh, a fan fest yeah. in the winter. And then they also do a caravan and those types of events. I would, wouldn't have a problem doing, but yeah, I, I totally understand uh, your, your, your a point there.
2: Do you like uh, any of the new releases? Do you collect any of the new stuff?
4: Only if I'm going after a TTM uh, example of that being, I don't know if you saw, but the Detroit lions Uh, wide receiver amon ross saint Brown. i just got him back so a current player so i'll pick up a a new card and you know he he returned it in two weeks i saw a lot of folks get it back but uh, that would be an example of when i would get into the the new stuff
2: yeah i just saw he was signing but i think because the season's over i don't know if he's gonna i think i think we missed the boat on that one
4: yeah i might have got it just under the wire but uh, yeah it's good, good to get the current guys back that's always fun
2: do you um uh, have you what'd you do during the the pandemic did you did you really ramp up your collecting during the pandemic
4: i didn't really because we were having a house built which was right in the middle of the pandemic which got done fine but i was in such a transition from going from one house to the other my i wasn't able to ramp it up till i got into the new house later that summer so do you, do you have do you have kids i do i have three three grown kids i do
2: are they, are they uh, were they inter- interested in cards and, and collecting, or do you think dad's Dad's a nut?
4: You know, one of them, one of them is, my oldest son is, and, uh, but the other two have no interest, they're all sports fans, love sports, but only one has a any slight interest in, in collectibles, which kind of breaks my heart, but.
2: Me too, I have, one, I have I have all these cards, my son, he's 26, he has no interest in cards, I uh, hate sports, my daughter, she's 23, and not, it's nothing to do with them. I don't know. I have no idea what I'm going to do with all these all, all these cards I got.
4: Yeah, so you know, you're so excited about getting something you want to show someone. Your wife doesn't care, the kids really don't care. So
2: That's why I, Andrew, that's why I started the show. I was like a, I would sit at the kitchen table, right? And I'd be like, "Oh, I got so and so today in the mail." Or I got this guy, again. "I'm sending this out." And they'd be all the three of them, my wife included, their eyes would just glaze over and like, "Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah dad." So I like I got to talk to people that love, love it as much as I do it, it there's still nothing that compares to you sitting there and you're getting in the mail comes in and you get two or three TTM returns I just love it.
4: Oh best part of the day.
2: do you, do you cheat and put the initials on the return envelope or is it a total surprise?
4: Occasionally I'll do that and the only cheating I do is I do use informed delivery so I know what's coming that day. I check that real early in the morning so but I don't I don't write like the initials typically. Sometimes yeah, my wa- my
2: wife week. checks and she'll say, "Oh, you get two come back today, or or no no returns today." I'm trying to, I try to do ten a week. That's my number.
4: Yeah, that's that's a, that would be a lot for me because, you know, just really working on the projects. Like I said, I've got so many of the other guys through the years.
2: Do you have any? Um, do you handwrite your letters, or do you type them, or what? What do you do?
4: I'll handwrite them. You know, just really a short letter request, and. Yeah. i'll I'll occasionally send in a a questionnaire i post on on like on my successes on facebook any anything and any something ttm is just a page i use and i'll send i'll send occasionally uh i call it a fun facts with enter name here and i'll ask a few questions and those are fun to get back so i will add that occasionally if some guys
2: have you had any of the guys reach out to you and give you a call or uh, send a letter back to you uh,
4: clarence scott did yeah you know, brown corner and Bill yep. bradley who played oh bill football, bradley called you back Or yeah he did the football bill bradley okay played for the eagles back in the 70s yeah so i was able to talk to those guys which was very cool enjoyed that yeah you much.
2: heard i had clarence on the show he was really I did. he was really good
4: yeah those guys are just gems just gems and valuable to the hobby
2: yeah I, I agree do you um do you envision uh, doing this for a little for a long a lot time longer or is it or, or are you like oh no I've gotten everyone I want to get all you oh, no sure, guys and
4: I'm sure I'll find because I'll you know like I said I'm working on this Royals project there's a higher state Buckeye project I want to do because there's a like a set from 92 that was put out you know guys and then Cincinnati Bearcats. so I'll, I'll always find something there's no doubt about that
2: yeah, I get down every once in a while when I'm looking to sign, and I'm like, I got all these guys, and I don't right. like to I don't like to contact them. I usually try to wait a year between contacting them, and and I usually send one or two cards. How many cards do you usually typically send?
4: If I have three, I'll send, but it's usually one or two.
2: Do you send it in a top loader, or you just send? You- I,
4: I I don't use top loader. I just I just send it. Kind of wrap the letter of request around it. I don't I don't use note cards. I don't. Put them in top loaders because i've seen too many guys get them back in top loaders where the athletes sign the top loader i sure don't yep. want that to happen <laughs> so.
2: I, i've had that not in a while though when i first started a few guys did that um but i i think most now it's i would say 99 of the guys would know when they sign the card and don't sign the top loader
4: right and i and i try to think you know give them less to fiddle with that they have to when they open my envelope let's make it simple there's my S A S E. There's my request. There's the card.
2: What What's your favorite return? The return that you got that you didn't didn't think was coming back?
4: Probably Force Greg, when he okay. was living. Yeah, he was uh, of course a Bengals coach, you know, Green Bay Packer Hall of Famer and all that. So, I had a like a '63 tops which I still have and it's been authenticated. So I sent that to him, you know, before he passed, obviously. And when I got that back, that was a real surprise. I was like, Wow, that's pretty cool. That, that
2: that's cool i, I love I, I got i got i got into it the other day I, I forgot i even had sent it like about a year and a half ago and it came in the mail i was like when did i send this out i had to go back in my records to find it and it, that was it was kind of you know I, li- I like getting those it's and every once in a while i, I like getting the guys that are, aren't the superstars you know what i mean i like getting the guys that, that had a cup of coffee or or did something, you know one cool event that they had in their career and learning about them
4: yeah, if I find a guy who made any appearance with the Reds, you know, whether he pitched in one game or a season, I'll try to find his card. And it may be in a red uniform, sometimes not. And I'll send that out, you know, just again, trying to add to my Reds collection. And then, you know, guy, guys you've never heard of, Chris Mikolak, I got him this week. He pitched, I think, 30 games for the Reds in 06. So just examples like that.
2: Who's your favorite Red?
4: As a player, probably Johnny Bench like i caught as a kid so uh you know he was obviously a tremendous catcher and and hitter so he was probably my favorite red of all time
2: yeah i didn't you know what i saw a feature on him i think on, on baseball network they did and i didn't realize he got hurt in like 72 or 73 right around there
4: yeah and, he had a lung surgery
2: yeah and then mm-hmm. his, if you look at his stats you're like oh yeah that's when he lost some of his power he lost and he kind of he lost some of what he was beforehand don't you think
4: he did yeah after mvp in 70 and 72 then right there in 73 he had that lung surgery where back then surgeries were a lot different like i had to really peel them open <laughs> and yeah he'll say you know that was the that was the downfall i mean he had some decent years but nothing like those mvp years
2: Bengals going to the super bowl back to the super bowl this year
4: i tell you what they are hot as can be they are really hot and uh Course, we're all hoping for that uh, i think i think we have a really good chance to do it
2: yeah it, it should be good we're, we're recording this uh the so the there was a tuesday wednesday it's wednesday wednesday before the wild card starts we're gonna run, i'm gonna run this next weekend or so uh you, you, if if they lose in the first round we'll, we'll forgive you <laughs> <laughs> But um what else? What else do you you'd like to accomplish? TTMing in two thousand twenty three. Do you have any any goals? So like, oh, I really want to get this guy, or I want to send out this many requests, or do you have any goals for two thousand twenty three?
4: No specific goals. I uh, want to, you know, keep uh, you know again doing the the homework you have to do for projects like the, the Royals that I'm trying to get, and you know, just uh, all the Reds and Bengals guys uh, just continue to to add to those. Uh, to my collection well why don't
2: you let people know where they can follow you on on uh facebook so they can see all your successes
4: yeah i i post my successes uh, on facebook to sometimes the, the the football ones you can find those at the nfl ttm collectors uh site on there and also any anything uh ttm also on facebook i'm not i don't do youtube i mean i have a youtube so i like enjoy watching all the videos i don't post anything on youtube so really facebook is it
2: do you do much trading at all
4: i haven't done any trading i would okay. be open to it but i really haven't done any
2: All right. will follow andrew on facebook and check check him out he is a, a great listener as i said he's been uh, hopefully i don't If you have been listening to him since we started the show you've been with us for a while
4: yeah i'm one of the one of the originals probably
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Andrew always enters contests he's funny. he's had a couple wins in there so he's he's kind of lucky well Andrew I want to thank you for your time it was great to meet you uh officially and talk a little collecting and TTMing and uh you know th- again thank you for listening we really appreciate it my pleasure all right but have a good one you too well, Drew, Andrew is a very passionate collector. He's been collecting TTM for a while. He's a great, great listener. And it was it was I love talking to guys that are passionate about collecting. And uh, you know, we, we told the story before about Andrew uh getting the just reward right for his 1986 yeah. Gamer field card. And uh, it couldn't happen to a nice guy. So Andrew, thanks for joining us. It, it was great. If you want to be on collector's corner, just let us know. Send us an email
3: to TTMcast at yahoo.com.
2: Yeah, we get a couple of Drews got people friends that, that are going to be on. We we're, we've uh, put the feelers out to them and they're going, they're going to be on. So we're we're starting to fill up our collectors corner. So if you want to be on, please send me an email. Well, Drew, that wraps up collectors corner. Next up, we're going to announce our contest winner. <laughs> Drew, our friends at Seven Fifty Seven shows, uh, they gave me a bunch of uh, five by seven uh, autograph photos. They're nice, nice five by seven autograph photos. And uh, this this week, I'm going to give away. I think I have. Uh, I've said I have Jesse Barfield, Rudy May, and some one other guy. I forget who it was. So I'm going to give that out. And the winner of the raffle this week is Scott Summers from Toledo, Ohio. So true, true. It's a very Ohio-centric uh, show. We had Andrew from Ohio. We have Scott Summers from Ohio. You are from Ohio. All, all these Ohio
3: guys reaping the war- rewards. We just need somebody from down near the West Virginia border there, and then somebody from Columbus. will have like every single segment of Ohio covered <laughs> on us then.
2: Well, Scott Summers, congratulations! Thanks for entering. Uh, I think we'll we won't do a contest this week, but maybe next week. Uh, we'll do another contest. I have a bunch of five by seven autos, so I'm gonna we'll we'll take a week off and then we'll do another contest next week, All right? Cool. All right, that wraps up contest. Scott Summers, congratulations for your win. Next up is making the gray.
0: Making the Grade is sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. 2022 was a great year for CSG. They graded iconic cards, including a 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle that sold for $1.25 million at auction. Reviewed more than 1 million cards in less than two years, and they're only getting started. Take advantage of the CSG difference with grading fees 20% off through January. CSG has incredible turnaround times and state-of-the-art holders, starting at just $12 a card. Visit csgcards.com today to experience the difference.
2: Well, Drew, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag or anything, but we might have a new sponsor for making the grade. Ooh. I'll let you know it's coming. It's in the works. I can't, we can't let the cat out of the bag yet, but our friends at CSG have extended their 20% offer, which is 20% off all grading services. That's going till the end of the month. So you got about what, 10 days, 11 days to get that in. Uh, It is going to through the 31st of January. Go to csgcards.com. That's csgcards.com. And you can save 20% off all their grading services.
3: Uh, CSG, you may remember a few uh, months ago we talked about they had a miscut 1952 Jackie Robinson card, there's as a CSG one. But the fun thing about that Robinson card is that you can see the next card over, which is the Mickey Mantle card. So, uh, kind of cool, those two are right next to each other. But it is sold for $72,000 last March. It is going to be going up for auction again next month in February. It's going to be coming up in the SCP auction. So, something to keep an eye out for is a CSG grading some, uh, interesting stuff right there to say the least
2: yeah we'll let you guys know how much it goes for i i, I hope they they realize a good price hey our friends at beckett we love beckett right uh, yep. there's a big beckett guy beckett has announced their new pricing they're uh, going for eighteen dollars for uh i don't know what's the they're low level right their entry level yeah. thing uh it's 40 to 60 day turnaround you have to have a 10 card minimum uh base price is about 22 bucks but you can get for if you do 10 card minimum it is 18 bucks that's their 40 60 day turnaround their standard which is um is uh 10 to 20 days goes from between 40 to 30 dollars with subgrades uh so you can check it out go to uh
3: is it beckett.com right is it beckettcars.com uh yeah just beckett.com will take you to all of their uh Oh, they've got links to all their grading authentication from there as well. So check that out. We have some more news from CSG as well. They're going to be hitting the road. You'll see uh, if you're around uh, Atlanta, Las Vegas, or Ontario, California, CSG is going to be coming your way. January 27th through the 29th, they'll be in Atlanta at Culture Collision. On uh, February 4th through 5th, they'll be out in Las Vegas at the Front Row Card Show. And the week after that, February 9th through the 12th, Ontario, California for the Burbank Card Show. So if you want to meet with the CSG people, maybe drop some stuff off in person, check them out at one of those three spots.
2: Yep, and go to you go to csgcards.com for all, all the information from CSG. Well, Drew, that wraps up making the grade. Next up is TTM Cast stamp of approval. Why don't you do it? You do it much better. The TTM Cast stamp of approval.
1: <laughs> you
0: know. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTM Cast stamp of approval. You
1: are the man. Well, I'll do mine first and then you can do, do yours a second, Drew, if that's okay with
2: you. That works. So, Drew, I've been starting, I started watching this Netflix series. It's one of those, like, I don't know, eight or 10 episode uh, series. And it's, uh, it's called Making Anna. And it's about this um, so, this girl. She's like 25 or 26 years old. And she basically fooled all the New York socialites. And, um, you know, got into the, their, their world, so to speak, and got all sorts of money from them and pretended to be a German heiress. And it's really good. It's a really good story. It's based on a true story. The, there's some stuff that it, it basically follows this woman that is writing an article on the, this woman, uh, Anna. Who is is, is and ends up getting caught. And but it's really, really a, a great story. There was no there was no spoiler alert there. That's kind of uh, <laughs> but guys, check it out. It's called Making Anna. I think it's they're about an hour piece And I think there's eight or ten episodes. Have we, my wife and I have watched six of them so far. It's very good. It's it's worth the time. Uh if you have Netflix, check it out. Making Anna. That's getting my TTM cast stamp of approval. Nice.
3: Drew, who do you got? All right, well, mine goes to the Mid-Cities Animal Urgent Care here in uh, Euless, Texas, just north of Arlington. So you may know, you may have heard them in the background here and there before. I have two cats here, Callie and Sydney. Sydney, going on 13 years old, Callie just turned 12. And uh, this past week, Sydney was uh, visiting the litter box a lot more often than usual, like way more than normal. Like I think it was about 20 times in a single day there. And it's like, that's not good. So looking up some stuff about it, it's like, okay, she probably has a... uh, tract infection there and everything. So we uh, got her, took her down there, got her checked over, and we, uh, did everything that they could on her. And they said, yep, she's got, it looks like a UTI, some bladder stones, but they just took really great care of our cats. Sydney can be a real handful because she doesn't like people other than Jen and myself and her mom. So uh, they said, no, she was actually really, really great here with our cat whispers and everything. And yeah, they've got, they got Sydney taken care of. She's uh, back to her normal self now. She's been running around and climbing on stuff, which is, I mean, for a 13-year-old cat, they don't do that very often, but she's always had good energy here. But last couple of days wasn't so great. She's back to more toward normal today. So definitely good to see. So uh, to Dr. Bahi Fort and uh, Mid-Cities Animal Urgent Care Clinic in Euless, Texas, they are my stamp of approval for this week.
2: You know what? There's nothing worse than having a pet that's sick because they yeah. can't tell you. And it, it's they're so expensive. To, there's no such thing as pet. I guess there is pet
3: health care emergency but i don't know how many people have it but so i'm glad did you actually we did feeling- actually just get a uh, pet insurance through my wife's new job so we have part of it covered at least but oh, we good. just put on a new diet now which is going to be expensive so <laughs> okay. well, i'm glad you cats doing better thank you bud
2: that uh wraps up the TTM Cast sample of approval next up is our Vern right minute Drew, this is so sad. This Vern Ratman is so sad the last couple of weeks. There's been so many people that have passed. So, you I know, mean, a lot of great TTMers, people that uh, meant something, you know, was... That, to me, when well they were playing playing and uh, you know we do the Vern Rap minute. It's a, a service to our fellow TTMers. Just let like, you know that you're not embarrassed by sending out a TTM request to somebody who had passed. Uh, this week we lost a bunch of people. Uh, we'll we'll go down the list. Uh, we lost Chris Ford. Chris Ford, of course, played for the Detroit Pistons and the Boston Celtics. He hit the first three pointer in NBA history. He played played ten seasons, seasons from seventy two to eighty two. He was a champion with the Celtics in 81. He was a coach for the Celtics, the Bucs, the Clippers, the 76ers, uh, assistant coach and head coach. Uh, He won two uh, championships as a coach with the Celtics. uh, And he's a great, he's been a great TTMer. I mean, I I think I probably had four or five returns from him over the the last four or five years. uh, And he's always been very uh, cordial and quick turnaround. Uh, We lost Chris Ford. He was only 74 years old.
3: Uh, we lost uh, Kay McFarland this week, played seven years in the NFL as an end. From 1962 to 68, the San Francisco 49ers also a member uh, played at Colorado State University, a, a college football hall of famer, I believe, or is the NFL hall of famer?
2: No, he's in the college, Colorado college State hall
1: University
3: okay. Hall of Fame. Colorado State University Hall of Fame, then there you go. But uh, last TTM in 2021, so an occasional signer at least, but uh, Kay McFarland was 84 years old. We lost Ed Beard.
2: Ed was a linebacker for San Francisco. So we lost a couple 49ers this this week. He played eight years from 64 to 71. He was a pretty good TTMer. Ed Beard was 83 years old.
3: A big win in the baseball world. We lost uh, the original Frank Thomas this week. Uh, Not the big hurt, but the one who played back from 1951 to 65. He's an outfielder, first baseman and third baseman, played with the Pirates, the Reds, the Cubs, the Braves, the Mets, the Phillies, and the Astros. Three-time All-Star during his career as well and an excellent TTMer, as I'm sure many of you know. He was uh didn't start charging until fairly uh late in his life and even even then still he was only a five dollar fee to sign there. Uh, Frank Thomas was 93 years old. Do you know his favorite card was his 1958 Topps card? Really? Yeah. Hmm.
2: I think that was one of his best years. He was like third or fourth in the MVP race. Ah,
3: that, that explains year. it.
2: Yeah. So, but that that was one of his favorite cards. We lost Joel Wells. Joel Wells was a halfback. He went to Clemson. He played for the New York Giants in 1961, and he starred with the Montreal Alouettes in the CFL. His last TTM was 2021. Joel Wells was
3: 86. Uh, we also lost Virginia Carver this week. She played in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League in 1953 and 54, member of the South Bend Blue Sox and uh, the Fort Wayne Daisies both uh, out of Indiana Virginia Carver was 87 years old we lost Gino Ojick I'm going to get that right Gino
2: Ojick he was he was a old time hockey enforcer right Drew? yes he, he was and not 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 he didn't play in the old time but he was a he was an enforcer he played with uh, Vancouver from 90 to 98 the islanders from 98 to 2000 the flyers in 2001 and the canadians from 2001 to 2002 he played 65 games he scored 64 goals and 73 assists during his career he uh was not a ttm his last ttm was 2010
3: and he had a um a rare blood disease is that what we yeah i think in 2014 or so he was diagnosed with it and it was uh, i i i know it's something like only a couple hundred people had ever been diagnosed with it and so they didn't know you know he might die in a year. He might die in 10 years. And well, he made it a good, you know, seven, eight, nine years afterward. Yeah, we lost Gino Ojek. He was 52 years old. Uh, Bill Davis died this week. He was a first baseman with the Indians and the Padres. Played with the uh, Indians from 1965 to 66, the Padres in 1969. And in and around that, he was also in the minor league organizations for the Cardinals and the Twins. A very tall first baseman, six foot seven. He was a great TTMer as well. Bill Davis was 80 years old. We lost Ted Savage. Ted Savage was an
2: outstanding TTM, right? He played from 1962 to 1971 with a lot of teams. played for the Phillies, the Pirates, the Cards, the Cubs, the Dodgers, the Reds, the Brewers, and
3: the Royals. Uh, He was an outfielder primarily. Uh, Did you have Ted Savage? I'm sure you did for 72, set, right? Uh, Yeah, he actually was not in the 72 set, but he was in the 62 set that I got a bunch of from my dad. So I got him for that. Cool. Ted Savage was 86 years old. Uh, We lost uh, Fred Benners this week. He was a quarterback back in the 1950s, played with the New York Giants in 1952, and before that was uh, at SMU right around the time of the uh, days there when they had, what was was it, Doak Walker was coming through around uh, just before that, yep. But uh, Benners was a quarterback for SMU uh, right there in the 1940s and 50s. Not a TTMer. he was 92 years old. We lost Calvin Muhammad. Calvin played for the Raiders,
2: the Redskins, and the Chargers. as a wide receiver from 82 to 87. He was a member of the Raiders Super Bowl team. The one that I believe was uh, Marcus Allen, right? That was Marcus Allen's year that he he was the MVP, I believe. Uh, Calvin Muhammad had 1,276 career uh, passing yards, receiving yards, and eight TDs. He was not a TTM or Calvin Muhammad was 64 years old.
3: All right. We lost uh, Gina Lola-Brigida this week. She was, of course, an actress throughout the, I believe, 1950s and 60s, native of Italy, and uh, one of the uh, top female actresses there of that decade there, but she was uh, 95 years old.
2: Yeah, she was one of those um, kind of like the the beauty girls, right? She was a yeah. really, really pretty girl and yep. famous for, for beauty, and um, she, she was... She was, she was, she was in everything back then, I believe. Yeah. Uh, we lost Bert Pena. Bert Pena was a shortstop. He played for the Astros for parts of 1981, 83 to 87. Uh, primarily, he was basically a, like a September call-up guy, you know, but he was, he was, uh, he, he played, uh, he was a, like a triple A major league type guy, right? He yep. was uh, last TTM in 2021. He was 63 years old.
3: Uh, We lost to Dick Horn this week. He was a quarterback and punter, mostly uh, best known for playing at Stanford University, played in the 1952 Rose Bowl, later uh, went on to the NFL, uh, 1954 and 58 Colts, a couple of big teams right there uh, during the Colts' heyday. Became a pediatrician after his uh, football career came to an end. And uh, we're talking about it before the show. Apparently he was famous for uh, talking to his uh, young patients there in a Donald Duck voice to help put them at ease there whenever he had to do his checkups and everything. Uh, Dr. Horn was not a TTMer. He was 92 years old. Lastly, uh,
2: yeah, I believe this was yesterday. We lost David Crosby. He was 81 years old. He was a singer. I believe he's a uh, rock and roll Hall of Famer. I think Drew, right? Oh yeah,
3: I think a two-time Hall of Famer. Even if I remember yeah, he right.
2: was in Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Um, he was a kind of a folk singer and rock singer, and um, was was very popular in the 60s and 70s. David Crosby was 81 years old. Drew, Too many. We had we lost too many people this week. Our our our, our condolences go out to anyone that lost uh, uh, friends and family. We're sorry for your loss. Um, it, it's really tough. But we like to give out this to our friends uh, and collectors as a um, you know as the service, so that you're not sending out TTM requests to people who would passed. So next step, Drew, we're gonna do da, 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 little returns.
0: Was our mailbox full this week? Let's take a look at this week's TTM returns.
2: Well, after that long firm wrap minute, let's talk a little fun, happy stuff, right? Yeah. So I got I got five returns uh t- this week so far. They're just starting to kind of trickle in. I sent out
3: 15 yesterday. So uh, I'm gonna I've got a lot out there now. How'd you do this week? I got six of them this week. And looking at your list, we both got the same one, uh same guy back for one of them there. Oh, nice. That doesn't yeah. happen that often. It doesn't, no. Go ahead. You can do yours first. I'll go with mine first. Okay. Well, I also want to mention before I start this, I just realized, uh, I saw the date there today. 20 years ago today, when I was up at Emerson, was my first ever in-person outing going for autographs at something other than like a ball game or a uh, signing at a card show or something. Yeah. So 20 years now, I've been added in this, uh, going hardcore in this hobby, basically. So it's kind of a cool milestone to have a surpasser to if you record this but I know you would have thought you would have le- you, you would have learned by now that you're doing something wrong <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah we'll go through the TTMs here and everything from this week but um January 17th that's a Tuesday I got four in on Tuesday got a H- hockey hall of famer Chris pronger on his rookie card he uh signs for free uh personalizes everything that you send though so uh, make sure that you're okay with getting that on there but That came back to me only about a week and a half turnaround time on that. So very quick response there. Uh, John Calipari, head coach at University of Kentucky, also a basketball Hall of Famer, got him on his – what's technically his NBA rookie card, his – I think it's 96, 97 hoops when he was coach of the Nets. So uh, the bad news is, though, he signed it in a black pen on a very dark spot of the card. So you have to kind of tilt under the light to be able to see it. What
2: do you want from a guy from UMass?
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, I also got Brian Washington this week. Brian played briefly with the Browns in 1988 and 89. They eventually either released or traded him, and he ended up with the Jets and played for them for about five or six years, but uh, played at Nebraska for a long time as well. I think it was about a two month turnaround on that, maybe a month, maybe about a month, somewhere in that range, though. And uh, NASCAR driver Denny Hamlin came in on the same day as well. This was kind of cool. I found this Racing Relics card of him. It has a piece of race used tire in the card.
1: Oh, that's got cool. That from a,
3: yeah, I got that from a box. And uh, I said, you know what? I'll send this out. But I've always had problems whenever I try to send out a jersey card or anything like that, it always ends up getting bent up somehow. So I figure, all right, I'm going to eat the postage on this one. We're going to send it with a photo mailer. And fortunately, this one came back a little bit of a crease in, but nothing really too horrifying. And the autograph came out looking pretty good on it. So okay, that's so bad. Like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy enough with it, though. I'll take it. Uh, January 18th, a couple of Hall of Famers as well. Got Rod Thorne from the Basketball Hall of Fame on his rookie card. I think the 70-71 Topps set for that one. And Bill Barber on his rookie card from the 73-74 uh, Tops hockey set. Nice. Those both came back about a week and a half, two weeks, something like that on the uh, turnaround time there. But also made a few trades and purchases. Picked up uh, several set needs, actually. I was able to get uh, – bought off eBay. I was able to get a Milt Pappas 72 Tops card, which I already had signed, but – this one has an older signature of his and looks so much better than the one that I picked up that was a uh, fairly late, uh, later in his life sig where he had really just kind of like whatever and kind of yep. gave up on giving a good sig at that point. How much for the Mil Pappas? Only $7. Oh, nice. There's several others up the, of that up on eBay right now as well. So if there's anybody out there who needs a 72 tops Mil Pappas signed, you can find one on eBay for about $7 to $10 or so. There's several up there now. I also was able to grab a Lee Smith for the uh, tops all-time fan favorite sets that I'm working on. That was, I think 10 or $12 or so. It was, def- it, was un- it was less than his uh, TTM price. Right. He's 20 bucks. So exactly. So, yep. made sure to grab that one. Uh, I got a Gila point for the, uh, it's the tops OPC archives hockey set that I've been working on for years. I'm down to needing only three, I think, no, yeah. Four guys still for that set. That's a nice card. Yeah. I'm real happy to get that one uh, done there, but, Picked that one up from a guy on Facebook. Unfortunately, the guys that I have left, I got four left. One of them I've heard refuses to sign the card and the other three are dead. So really got my work cut out for me on those ones at least. But uh, also picked up some stuff for my uh, tops heritage sets with uh, Pablo Lopez, Nico Goodrum, uh, Glenn Allen Hill, Jr. And Jamari Baylor from the 2021 heritage sets. Future H- Red Sox, Nico Goodrum. He signed, he signed a minor deal with us. Ah, very <laughs> nice. Great signature too. I mean, check that out right there. That's. Nice. nice looking sig there you don't see that very often out of many active players there but got those ones picked up um let's see here got a trade that i did on uh sportscollectors.net. net. will pick up a, a maury wills tops uh, 72 in action it's the last maury wills auto that i needed so i got that one done uh picked up a chase headley for the 2013 archive set in the 72 design right there cool and this one right here that uh been wanted to get this, this one for a while and uh, finally bit the bullet on making a trade for this one. Gary Carter on his 82 diamond Kings. Well, that's nice. Right you traded that. Yeah. I traded for that one. There was a guy who had that and uh, he needed a bunch of 91 upper deck football stuff that I had. So piled a bunch of those together to get uh, those uh, to get, I got, I guess it was the Carter and the Headley. And then I just paid for the wills out of it. So okay, good. he has a whole bunch more that I need that I'd like to get, but I'm probably gonna have to hold off on those for a little bit. Very cool guys.
2: Follow Drew on, uh, on uh youtube he he, he posts all the stuff on youtube you can follow him on youtube df df gret what is it drew dfw
3: dfw, DFW.
2: i got too many letters in my head dfw Grapher. i don't know why i want to say dfg dfw graffer on youtube hey he posts all his successes cool thanks drew very nice i got i got uh five this week so far and drew uh said he got bill barber i got bill barber as well I sent it off him about I don't know two weeks ago. He was a pretty quick turnaround. He signed he signed his um 7980 tops card. He's the second team All-Star. Uh I had flipping through a bunch of cards. I saw I had a double of it, so I sent it off. He signed his name and his number, and I'm uh, very happy about that. I got Mike DeJean, who was a pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. And I don't know did, who else did he play for, Drew? Do you remember? Uh, that I don't know off the top of oh, my head. Oh, the Rockies. He played for the Rockies yeah. as well. And I got him on a two thousand and no, I'm sorry. 19, a 2003 Tops baseball card. He signed it in his black sharpie, and that took oh maybe a month and a half. I got two from Cecil Cooper. I got him on his 82 Tops card, and I got a it's a a leaders card, an RBI uh, leaders card. I believe this is 82 as well, or oh, 83. So this is an 84 tops card. He signed it. He's on the card with. Uh, Dale Murphy and Jim Rice. So I was going to send it off to Murphy, but I don't know if I want to spend twenty five dollars yeah. <laughs> for Dale Murphy. But we'll see. So I got I got two from Cecil Cooper. That took about oh maybe a month. I got one from Jim Everett. Just, this came in today on his nineteen eighty nine tops card, and then I got Tim Nearing on a tops stadium club card. From you know he played for the Red Sox. This is a nineteen. Uh, 1988 stadium club card so uh he signed that and that took a, a couple of weeks so that is all my returns as i said i got a bunch out there but um
3: we're gonna i'm trying to do 10 a week how about you i was trying to send out as uh, whenever i can i got to get a new uh, batch of stamps here pretty soon
2: yeah i got i have I have a, one untapped roll and then i got one sheet so when i know i gotta get you a sheet so yeah <laughs> i forgot about that well, that wraps up returns, TTM returns. Uh, we, we both had pretty good weeks, I think. Next up, we're going we're to hear from uh, Billy Sample in our TTM Cast Weekly
0: interview. This week's interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee, CSGCards.com for superior sports card certification and grading.
2: So, Drew, this might be the last TTM Cast Weekly interview in, in our TTM Cash uh, podcast on Saturdays, right? We're yep. going to go on. We're going go to go move into Wednesday. Make sure you listen to ttm one on tmcast 101 which is going to be on every wednesday make sure you check that out but this week we uh spoke with billy sample about playing in the uh, major leagues he was played for the rangers and the yankees and the braves he's outfielder and uh he was a fast guy he had a great career and we billy Sample is great He just he loves to talk and we talked all about his career and a lot of names he dropped a lot of names so please enjoy my interview with billy sample but first here's a message from our friends at CSG.
0: 2022 was a great year for CSG. They graded iconic cards, including a 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle that sold for $1.25 million at auction. Reviewed more than 1 million cards in less than two years, and they're only getting started. Take advantage of the CSG difference with grading fees 20% off through January. CSG has incredible turnaround times and state-of-the-art holders. Starting at just $12 a card, visit csgcards.com today to experience the difference.
2: We have a very special guest today. I'd like to welcome Billy Sample. Billy Sample played for the Texas Rangers, the New York Yankees, and the Atlanta Braves from 1978 until 1986. He was an outfielder, and he was fast, my friends. He was a fast man. He sold 50 bases one season, and we're going to talk to Billy about his career and talk to him about uh, signing autographs and collecting, so welcome to program Billy thank you Jeff glad to be here at my age I'm glad to
6: be anywhere okay I
1: know
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's a pleasure to talk to you when I when I was learning a little about your career I saw that you got you got a a hit in your very first at bat was that uh did you when when you know I I remember Daniel Nava when he played for the Red Sox someone told him to swing at the first pitch that he ever saw and he hit a home run was that something you would? oh wow no
6: that would have been even even better but uh, it was a, a sinking fastball low and away, so I couldn't, I couldn't yank that, and I couldn't drive it that far. <laughs> but it was, um, it's, it's kind of interesting in a way. So we finished our AAA season that year, and I, I figured I was going up after the, the season. Rich Donnelly, longtime uh, big league coach, was my AAA coach, and he said uh, about four days left in the season I was going up. I kind of thanked him, sort of matter-of-factly, because I figured I did everything that I needed to do to go up. Uh, I signed after my junior year in college and spent three minor league seasons, and it was about time. And so we, I was playing out of Tucson, and we went from Tucson to Phoenix, Phoenix to Chicago, Chicago to Milwaukee, uh, where we met the club. And by the time you get there, you're just spent, <laughs> even as a young person. Yeah, that's
2: a, lot, that's a lot of traveling.
6: Yeah, so I, I walked into the clubhouse, an old clubhouse in County Stadium, and the lineup was up and it had me leading off, which I, I didn't think I was going to play that soon. But OK, that's fine. We were five and a half games out of first place at the time. But what alarmed me was that I was uh, penciled in to play second base. Well, I think I still have the Texas League record, Jeff, for most errors by second baseman. Uh, <laughs> I was playing in Tulsa. <laughs> I, they figured my bat would precede my glove to the majors and they were correct. I had that same uh, psychological problem, I guess, that Chuck Knobloch had and Steve Sachs had for a while, where I threw one wide uh, first base and and I couldn't throw to first anymore. I was a psychology major, evidently not a very good one. And uh, so I was a little alarmed by that. And I remember Doc Ellis telling me, well, good luck, young man. And I thought, oh, it's it's real now. This is not a fake lineup. All right, so we, we go on and I'm loosening up and, and running the lines, and Richie Ziss came over and said, well, it's just like A and I understood what he was trying to do, just sort of calm me down a little bit, but I really wasn't that nervous, but I was still a little curious about playing second base. Nobody's seen me play second base in a year and a half. In fact, I think I burned that glove somewhere, and um, so Billy Hunter, our manager at the time, uh, he came over to me maybe about five minutes before the game and said, well, this is what we're going to do, uh, you're going to lead off the game. And they felt that Bump Wills, our switch-hitting second baseman, was struggling a little bit from his right side, so he wanted to give him one less at bat. I don't think you can really do that nowadays. I'm not sure it was a legal move. But anyway, so I batted. So no matter what I was going to do, Bump was going to come in and, and play second base. So uh, Jerry Augustine's first pitch, a sinker low and away, and I, I drove it to right center field uh, Sixto Escano got a glove on it, which was amazing. Uh, how did he do that? Where'd you come from? And start, <laughs> stop ruining my day here. Uh, so I'm on first base with this Cheshire cat eating and grin and, uh, here comes bump to pinch run for me. And, uh, Bob Euchre, who was doing the, 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 Brewers broadcast at the time. Uh, I don't know what he thought was going on, but maybe I pulled a, a muscle going from first to, going from home to first, I'm not <laughs> sure. sure, but yeah, but the, that's how it started. And, um uh, and later in the season, I got a few more hits. And we didn't really close the gap that year. Let's see, who won that year? 70, uh, 78, so that was uh, Kansas 70,
2: City. It was Yankees and, yeah. uh, and the, the Royals, Royals, right?
6: Royals yeah. Royals, yeah. Uh, yeah, and 78 was the Royals. And they won the division. and um, But I got a few more hits. So we, we were in Seattle coming um, off a of victory at the Old Kingdom. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't call me to help ex- implode that place. But, <laughs> um, uh, so Billy Hunter, the manager, as you walk on the bus, he tapped a seat beside him, the, the one that's usually diagonally across from the bus driver. So he was going to, he was going over how he saw the team the following year. And let's say, like Jim Sundberg, obviously was going to be the catcher and sort of went position by position. And it got to me and I was going to platoon And I thought, well, this is good. I had nothing else to to accomplish in AAA. I finished third in the league in hitting. And um, so it it was to have impressed a manager that soon. It made me feel very good. Uh, It was a nice start for my career. Uh, The next day, they fired Billy Hunter. (laughs) (laughs) It (laughs) always happens, doesn't it? Yeah, I know. you got to be kidding me. Um, uh, And uh, and Billy's still around. Billy went from there to coach I think at Towson State um, in, in Baltimore outside of Baltimore and uh, but it was it was nice for him to have that kind of uh, confidence in, in me after seeing me for just I don't know, three or four weeks.
2: Do you think and um, during your playing days they gave you, you you know they gave you guys some time to get some experience in the minors and today they rush these kids into the, the majors if they have any talent at all?
6: Well I guess if you have as much money invested in people you want to see a return on the money quickly at least that's what it seems like the whole world's a little bit like that um and if you're a higher draft pick you're gonna you have to prove to them that you can't play whereas if you're not a high draft pick you have to prove to them that you can play i was a 28th round draft pick out of high school i told the scout the late great joe branzell that i didn't know they had that many scout uh, that many rounds and um he could hear my disappointment over the phone when I when he called me finally got in touch with me. And uh, at the time there were 24 teams, and he said, "Well, Bill, 23 other teams passed over you 27 times. Like, Don't blame <laughs> That, <laughs> Don't that, that blame makes you really humble that. really quickly, doesn't <laughs> it? <laughs> I'm sure that's not the first time Joe used that line, but it, <laughs> it was funny. And look back on it, it was, it was really funny. Uh, But then I went to uh, what is now James Madison. And by the time I graduated, it was James Madison and um, was drafted in the 10th round. The Shenandoah Valley League, the collegiate summer league was very, uh, very good for me. I I could measure up against some of the better players along the eastern seaboard. Uh, You're probably closer to the Cape. uh, And the Cape was good. The Valley was good. I think they were about comparable. Uh, except the Cape had better conditions. Believe me, the Cape had better conditions than we were driving around the mountains of Southwest Virginia. But um, I think that's where I really uh, felt that I could measure up a little bit. Um, We had people, uh, my first year in the league, there was Denny Walling, who was heads above everybody. Uh, Gene Richards was my center fielder, and he could fly. Oh, my goodness, I've never seen a, a man that big that built and can fly like that. And uh, uh, I had Dave Tobik, uh, Jim Pankiewicz. uh they were on my team. So they, were, they made it to the major leagues. Tobik was a pitcher with the Rangers and Tigers and pankovic uh, as a utility player with the Astros. And, and Gene, who, who had the most stolen bases, I think he set a National League record for rookie stolen bases until Tim Raines came and broke it after him. But just to be around that kind of talent uh, it, it let me know okay well this is this is how you're going to have to measure up if you're going to go further right and, you, uh, could,
2: you, you could play with you if you could hang with them then you could play in the majors
6: yeah yeah the second year I, I was MVP of the league so I really had a, uh, an increased uh, amount of ability I had trouble with the slider <laughs> all, just me and um, uh, I, I had my my bat all up in the air like cesar sardinia or somebody and joe then, morgan
2: I, did you have joe morgan with the, the click i didn't the have
6: the flap no but <laughs> I, I actually went the other way uh, i i would i would try to uh, increase my my shoulder higher uh to, to stay on top of the ball but oh my goodness uh, it worked for joe certainly uh, yeah i think did, dwight
2: about. evans was kind of like that and Kalia strepski and some of the I remember those guys would ha- have their their elbows really cocked high. Right. Up. Yeah.
6: Yeah. 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 I could I can see your now with uh, uh, bat high in the air, and he kind of dropped a little bit I think with age, but uh, I've got a quick Yastrzemski uh, story. Uh, Please. I I I didn't talk much to opposing players, especially somebody at first base so I figured that the first baseman was trying to distract me. I can picture Ken Griffey Sr. before we were teammates with the Yankees. Uh, He was the first baseman uh, sometimes with the Yankees and he would just chirp, chirp, chirp. And I'm just ignoring him and he's laughing and we'd laugh about it when we later became teammates in in New York and in Atlanta too. Um, But um, so it's the last year, uh, yes, his career, I think it was 83 and he was playing primarily as a DH or at first base. And I, I hit the Red Sox fairly well. It's one of the few teams I could hit or play well. I had good games against the Red Sox. And um, I think I walked this time. I either singled or walked. So I'm on first base and I'm taking my lead. And he says, hi, Bill. And without looking back at him, measuring my lead against the pitcher, I said, hi, Carl. That was it. That was as <laughs> valuable as we got. <laughs> you were?
2: You were a great base stealer. You stole, you know, you even stole, you stole. The 50 I stole bases. Uh, 44 out of 52 in um,
6: 1983. It was fifth in the league. Yeah, uh, but I was I was in and out of the lineup so much. Sometimes you have to be in it uh, consistently. In '83, I had consistent playing time, and uh, just to just so you can get into a rhythm. Uh, and and heck, in '83. Uh, we were either last in the league in run scored and next to last in hitting. So Wayne Thomas and I did a lot of running, and we did a lot of running when you're down by one or up by one or even. You didn't you didn't get a chance to run up by four a lot of times, right? Or up by three. But uh, Wayne stole 33 that year. I stole 44. So that was primarily George Wright stole a few bases too, but that was uh, it was a little different than our 82 team, which was more station to station.
2: Who was the toughest catcher to, to steal off of?
6: Mike Heath had a gun. I'm mean, just, just a gun. And he threw me out in instructional ball uh, one time so badly that I didn't slide. <laughs> the <laughs> middle the like, had to run towards me. And yeah, I was, I was not even in my slide and he threw me out. So I, I remember that all the time. And so sometimes I'd, I'd, and they were all bang bang plays and I'd steal one. And the next time I came to the plate, Mike would ask, uh, did you get a good jump, Billy? Oh yeah, Mike, I got a great jump. You had no chance. I'm surprised you made it that close. <laughs> I, right, whatever it was, I wasn't going to give him any, <laughs> any motivation to get me any more than he already had. But since we went way back, he was definitely, uh, looking forward to throwing me out, but I don't think he threw me out in the majors. I didn't steal that many off of him, but I stole a few, but they were all, as I said, bang, bang, he had a gun. Um, uh Lance Parrish had a gun oh sure yeah some of those guys like Heath and and Parrish could out throw a good jump so you just you get your best jump if you're not getting your best jump you take your first three steps and come on back um but they they had guns but the quick guys too the Jim Essians who didn't have a, a that strong of an arm compared to those guys but it was just very quick uh and they, they were they were kind of tough too because if they got it there before you even if it was offline you might not have gotten there quickly enough that you could avoid the tag so those guys were kind of tough too but like most people you still often you still yeah often I,
2: I was gonna yeah. say did, were there any pictures that picked you off do you have a, a story you can tell us about getting getting laid, <laughs> laid out to dry uh well I, you...
6: I had no i had no no success at all no desire to run against uh Mike Flanagan. I just, I don't know how he knew. <laughs> I don't think he knew where he was going, where he was going to first or going to home. He was just, uh, he was just really tough. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody. Yeah, I got picked off one time. It was stupid. It was just stupid on my part. I got picked off first by Dennis Leonard. Sure. And, and Dennis was very quick with getting the ball throwing, getting the ball throwing. We were in Kansas City let off the game with a single. And I, and I wanted to get, I wanted to at least get uh, one foot on the carpet and the other foot in, in, the, in the dirt in the cutout. So I, I jumped out to do it. You can't jump. You, I, I knew you can't. You just can't do that because if you're going to scoot in the air to try to get to a point, if they turn while you're in the air, you can't, you can't right. get back. You, you can't, can't get land back. And go back. It's not like there's something in the middle of the air is going to allow you to push back towards the base. And uh, I got picked off there, and he just set the tone for the whole day, and I was just kicking myself because that was that was a bad omen. I think I got picked off at, at each base once. I got picked off at second in Minnesota. Uh, Tim Tuffle did it, and he did it. It was like one of those spring training plays where they work on. Yeah. He did it the first time, and I thought, well, that's not even close. Why would he even bother to do that? And he did it again and kind of blocked me off the bag a little bit. And uh, I was picked off third once. Fortunately, this time, it was against the Angels at home. And we had a, a big enough lead, but it was still like, are you kidding me? And I was aware that Desensei was sneaking up behind me and still didn't get back to the bag. Did you ever steal I, home? I've got, other, I've got other stuff that I, I kick myself about. but I'm sorry, Jeff, what was that? Did you mean? ever steal home? No, golly, no. No, no you no. didn't try it? I don't know. No, 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 no. I don't know how uh, Rod Carew did that with Killebrew at the plate you gotta be kidding me. I know. I just just I, run, I run, I run. I imagine riding down the line bird. with
2: that guy sitting there and if he Ooh. hits the
1: ball, oh my I, God.
6: Oh, there were some times when I was at third and Larry Parrish who came over from Montreal and a really good RBI guy, but he had, Larry had a, a big swing and I thought, my goodness, I <laughs> how would you even, even think about stealing home with a, with a guy about six, three, six, four with that big swing coming. I, I didn't I, I didn't have a lot of fear, but I, I didn't have a, a death wish either. Yeah,
2: I was speaking with Billy Sample. Billy Sample played with the Texas Rangers, New York Yankees, and Atlanta Braves from 1978 to 1986. He went to James Madison. He's in the James Madison Hall of Fame. He has a field named after him. That must have been something. That, were you surprised that you got a, a field named after you?
6: Well, no, not really. The first time they had named one after me uh, soon after I, I – I, my, my career was over, and it was a high school field, but I didn't really play there. But it was a field that if I continued to go to high school, my, my high school is now a, a middle school, like I guess for a lot of us old people. Okay. And uh, But the the, uh, the second one was really nice. And, and Well, both of them were very nice. But the second one was at a minor league field where we played high school football games. And the uh, the Pirates, for most of my growing up, had a minor league affiliate and a high A team there. And I watched people like Dave Parker come through there, or Ed Art come through there, or, or Bob Moose come through there. And and actually got to play with a guy that I watched play uh, that came through there, Mario Mendoza. Sure, yeah, we yeah, we unfortunately
2: he's famous for the Mario Mendoza line, but.
6: <laughs> yeah, he's not real happy about that because he says some of the broadcasters that use that hit less than he hit. So, so, <laughs> like, and ironically, can. Mario uh, was a hitting instructor in the Angels organization after his playing days. But uh, yeah, so it was kind of cool to, to, to watch people and, and later play uh, with and against people that I watched grow up. So that was kind of nice. Yeah, so, but yeah, it was very nice. And the nicest part about it, Jeff, was that some of my teammates from uh, American Legion baseball or high school football or um, uh, high school baseball came out to, to celebrate with me. And I thought that was really touching. And, and a couple of guys that were behind uh, the dedication, uh, one was a, a newspaper man, uh, Brian Hoffman, and a couple others, um, Brad Mullins, who was my first baseman uh, in high school, and Charlie Hammersley, who was Mr. Everything in Salem. And, and they were behind it, and it made it even more special. And my, the daughter of my first and second grade teacher, uh, who was uh, Lucy Harmon, Miss Lucy Harmon, who uh, went to Tuskegee Institute and interacted with George Washington Carver, which was <laughs> the school that I went to in my first uh, first uh, five years, which was kind of cool. That uh, is, she neat. had a big influence on, on me at, at, a, at a young age.
2: You well, you spent one year with the Yankees, 1985, and you wrote a book about it. It's called uh, "A Year in Pinstripes and, and Then Some." It's available on Amazon. It's a self published book. Um, why did you decide to write a, a story about that year? And what stood out uh, for you that you said, "Oh, I got to write a book about about my time with the Yankees."
6: <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good question, Jeff. I uh, I had wanted to write a book. I actually had a manuscript for a long time, and uh, somebody read it. Uh, and said that it was good except that when they sent it up higher they said i didn't have enough name recognition uh, okay well whatever <laughs> so, so years later i figured okay i can self-publish this i don't really need you to do this and uh it's on kindle too and it's uh it's to give you it's not you can do it in probably two bathroom trips but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it leaves you with I, I hope to leave you with a little bit of a smile and it has a lot of it has not only that year with the yankees but it it has previous years, a little bit of my growing up, uh, some of my Atlanta years, and a lot of my Texas years, too. But I would say about 40% came from that year with the Yankees. And, and that was, it was different. It was Yogi's last 16 games. It was Billy Martin's whatever tenure it was for Billy with the Yankees. And there seemed to be something going on every day. And I didn't realize I... <laughs> as you're donning the cap of the bow I didn't realize that the, uh, the Yankees Red Sox, I had no idea that it was that big of a thing. I I'm in the Western division. We're, we're battling the angels and the Royals and whoever, white Sox and whoever else. I never even thought about, Oh, okay. Well, this is a big robbery here. And, uh, but I hit the, uh, hit the Red Sox fairly well. It's one of the few teams I could hit and play well against. And, uh, and I love playing at Fenway. I, I kind of like the, the feeling that the fans were on top of you, sort of, yeah. and uh, and all the little idiosyncrasies there, and and it, it, it probably didn't hurt that I hit them fairly well too. But it's uh, uh but it was all, the game was never, um, never safe. You you could be down by four and a ninth, and you were still in the game. So I kind of like that. I, I enjoyed that kind of, um, that kind of competition. Uh, you. You knew when you went to the yard, you're going to be there and you're going to be there with a certain amount of intensity and that uh, the game was never over and uh, and you got the wall to play. <laughs> and, I, and the I 10, love and the talk, ten I love doesn't, doesn't bounce the same way all the time. The ten, There's some dead spots in that 10. You can go out there and work. I don't care before the, the start of the game as many times as you want, but uh, what you think is going to work and what you think might bounce this way, it eh, doesn't. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I love talking to former players on both sides, Yankees and Red Sox, and there was a true hate, a true hatred between the two the two teams. Uh and I you know, I as a fan, we you know, I'm a Red Sox fan obviously, and we always hated the Yankees, but I didn't realize it was that deep in the players as well. It was it was surprising uh talking to everyone, you know, from the 70s all the way to to present day. There's a true hate between the two teams.
6: Well, I don't know if I uh envelop that that hatred um uh, yeah maybe you weren't there either. long enough <laughs> yeah I was like, yeah yeah probably <laughs> as i said i didn't even know there was a big rivalry so i, I don't it was kind of hard for me to accept all of that but i i knew playing against the red Sox that there's some times where if they have their hitting shoes on you just have to take your punishment you can't you can't get all upset about it you can get beat especially early in the year you could get beat as we did that particular year <laughs> 13 to three or, or whatever the score might be. You could really get humiliated uh, by just the sheer talent that they had uh, at the plate. Um, but that year we had, uh, we started off slowly. Uh, remember Ed Whitson got, uh, was beaten uh, early and the socks were hitting. They were just, and you just, all right, you, you can't get too bent out of shape about that. Yep. Uh, we did manage to come up and sort of end their season in August we had a four game series at yankee stadium and in each game they had there was a great catch by the yankees and it was a four game sweep for us and uh, one
2: billy one- billy as a fan it happened a lot it happened a yeah. lot <laughs>
6: <laughs> well they were, they were good but i guess somebody It had didn't to fall. matter what year it was billy it happened a lot <laughs> well we had we had ricky henderson had a great catch in one and and um, willie randolph had a great catch in the second game i believe and I had my Yankees half inning. Uh, I had a, a, a catch, a bases loaded diving catch uh, that for some reason Jim Rice didn't tag from third. and uh, But then Box comes up behind uh, Marty Barrett and then singles to left and I threw uh, Rich Getman out at the plate although Rich didn't think he was out and <laughs> come, come to discover that he really wasn't out but <laughs> but he, he, he pop up slid at the plate. You can't do that because the umpire can't, even if they no, were to, to slide through to, it. Yeah you, got, yeah, you got to slide through it because the umpire can't see where your foot is in relationship to the plate and the and the dirt that you've kicked up. And even today, even with replay, I don't think they would have overturned that. But anyway, so I had my Yankees half inning. and uh, uh, But as I said, I, I, I played well against the Red Sox. So there was something about playing against Boston that I, something is... It, it got my energy up, and uh, uh, but there were a couple other teams. Like I'm not picking I, on the Red Sox. There were I was gonna ask you, did you but, have
2: a rivalry with any pitcher or any, any uh any guy that you know maybe you played in in college with or or somebody played in the minors that you really enjoyed your uh, at bats against?
6: No, because usually they they retired me fairly easily. Uh, <laughs> uh,
2: don't sell yourself
6: short. Yeah, Frank Viola and I had the same agent, uh, Craig Finnick. And, uh, so I, Frank seemed to enjoy getting me out more than, um, and he got me out too. And that was before he came up with a real good changeup. He was just sinker ball inside. It's funny. I'm like a lot of people. I was a middle plate inside fastball hitter. And when somebody gets you out in your strength, you kind of think, well, how are they doing that? <laughs> this is something I should turn. This is, this is how I make my living here. And they get me out. And Frank would get me out on something like that. But, um, there are some pitchers that were a lot of the times the people that, that ask uh, for autographs will ask, uh, did you have a, a, who was your toughest pitcher? And, and I guess most people think it, it should be somebody that's really a power pitcher or something like that. And I, I, I had a few, I usually tell them that they didn't send enough paper. Uh, I had a whole bunch <laughs> of tough pitchers, um, but uh, Tom Underwood and I both knew that I had trouble with him. Uh, now the late Tom Underwood and, um, and and I think I was two for 21 lifetime. And I had some that were even worse than that, but uh, he jammed me one time uh, in Baltimore when he was pitching for the Orioles. I was with the Yankees and I hit it so poorly that it didn't get to third baseman it kind of went halfway to third yeah. and then back spun like a golf shot. <laughs> and, and, and I know what picked it up and he looked at me and I kind of looked at him. And we both nodded. Like that was the only, only time that we remember me getting hit off of him. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, there, there are some guys that, that uh, for me, it was teams though. As I told you, Jeff, I hit the Red Sox. Well, and I played well against the Red Sox. I played well against the angels. And I had my highest batting average uh, against the Brewers. Incidentally, that's where I uh, first made it to the major league. So you can kind of see that maybe there was a little, there was a little something extra that that, that, uh, that happened when you faced them. But the Brewers hit so well that you could hit them. You can get three hits a game off them and, and would be hardly noticed because they're getting four or five hits a game. <laughs> and we... Just, I know. Oh they. What it,
2: the, those those were great teams in the 80s. Those Brewers teams, uh, all, all those Harvey Wallbangers. Oh, my goodness, so. wall bangers.
6: Uh, yeah. It's just. And then I found out later on when I was a teammate with one of the players that they had Sunberg's signs down as soon as somebody got on second base. Because every once in a while, I'd run into the gap after something. And I thought, now I know they're a good hitting team, but they're not that good. Right. <laughs> And, and now I found out, oh, that's they're that good. I was coming. All right. um, but yeah, there, there, some of it was fun. Some of, um, I'm trying to think of some of the other. Uh, Dave Steve was not a lot of fun to face. Um, yeah, he killed he the Red Sox.
2: Every time he pitched against the Red Sox, he killed them.
6: Uh, uh, and I rue the day they converted him from an outfielder to a pitcher. <laughs> <So> <laughs> my, my batting average had been about three points higher if I had to face him. That's uh, funny. You you were you were teammates with,
2: I'm sorry, you were teammates with um Gaylord Perry, who we just lost Hall of Famer. Um, did you get to face him at all? And and did did he face him?
6: And and, uh, was teammates with him too. Did he throw Uh, the spinner to you? He was uh no he didn't want to waste it on me just (laughs) a regular forkball. Um, he was my uh, last connection to my three degrees of (laughs) Kevin Bacon of uh of Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth to Dixie Walker to Gaylord Perry to me. and uh, But Gaylor was so good, or Gaylor as they say in North Carolina, uh, that he would go through all those you know, wiping this and wiping that, and he wouldn't apply it until he got into the middle of his windup. He was that proficient with it. So you really can't ask for the ball at that point. And if he, if he did, he would just throw it with, with, with his forefingers and not his thumb.
2: But, what happens? Uh, is it like, is it like a knuckleball and it just kind of dances all over the place or it just falls off the plate?
6: It just falls off the plate. It just bottoms out. It just, I don't, it's, so it's you're, sitting there, little... you're sitting there
2: looking for a fastball and all of a sudden the thing just drops out.
6: Yeah. Even more so than a, than a split fingered fastball or, or, or a forkball. It just, it just, it's, <laughs> it just hits a trapdoor somewhere. And, um, but a lot of times the, the guys with pitches like that, specialty pitches, um, I didn't have trouble with because I was a pretty good high fastball hitter. And a lot of times you'll see them like somebody like Mike Scott, he'd get a lot of strikeouts fastball high in the zone because everybody's yeah. waiting. You're kind of waiting, it's waiting. It's if the if the uh, split finger is going to dive and, and, and you can't catch up to the fastball upstairs. Um, but I was a pretty good high fastball hitter. So it didn't really bother me that much, but I wanted to know if somebody had had a specialty pitch because i um, in the seventh inning in a one-run game, I want to know if there's a particular pitch I haven't seen that maybe a pitcher would use uh, uh, to get somebody out in a key situation. So I'd want to know that. There are some things you'd want to know from the advanced scout that you really have to be there at the game to see. Sometimes I wasn't so certain that Our advanced scouts were always at the game. I think they were doing that in the cold weather sometimes, just watching from the hotel room.
2: (laughs) Were you a collector of baseball cards as a kid?
6: No. Not not at at all? all. Not at all. Uh, My uh, cousin uh, who lives in New York, I grew up in Southwest Virginia, Uh, he he, uh, collected cards, but I think he put some in his bicycle spokes. And uh, he played. (laughs) The shame of the horror, the horror of that. (laughs) Yeah. APBA uh, baseball, you have these big cardboard uh, uh, that details the, 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 I guess now you just do them on computers and the game, instead of lasting about an hour and a half, it's about a half hour now, uh, but he played APBA uh, ball. and Sure. And um, so that, that was fun. But no, I, I didn't collect cards. Um, having a minor league team in town sort of helped, uh, again, because I could sort of go there and, and see and measure up and, and see if I could hit certain pitches or, or just to get the atmosphere and, and every once in a while I get an advi- a bit of advice from, from some of the players that went through there. In fact, there's, there's one uh, story. Uh, we played Cincinnati at, at home in spring training. And uh, at the end of the game, I ran over to the Reds bus and I grabbed uh, uh, I grabbed a guy and, and I asked him, I said, Well, do you remember a 1960 Corvair that you had when you were in Salem at three speed on the floor? And it took him a while to reconnect. And he said, Oh, yeah, I he remembered it. Um, uh, I bought the car from you. <laughs> <And they> were, <laughs> That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a cool story. It was Doug Bear, a reliever uh, at that time with Cincinnati, he pitched with a number of teams, but really had a long career at right hander. Uh, could rush it up here pretty good and uh but he came through Salem and I remember buying the car from him uh one of my high school teammates was also a, a clubby at at the minor league park so he told me that the guy was selling a car and I, I it was my first car three speed on the floor <laughs> like most people I'm jerking <laughs> driving around yeah. and another one of my teammates Dave Nave uh, uh helped me drive the car uh teach me how to drive it for the first time but uh uh so I think Doug was buying another car. Maybe he'd gotten his bonus money or something. He was buying another car. And he sold me that one for $60. Wow. And he wanted $40, $40 up front Seventy-one.
2: 1971. <laughs> yeah, no, in those days, that was a lot of money.
6: Yeah. I'm going, oh, yeah. I had to get him for you. He's probably broke on the minor league money of $500 a month or something like that. But.
2: You're, you're such a big signer of autographs through the mail. Do you, did you collect autographs while you were playing for uh, did you collect you know, autograph balls or anything like that or pictures of your of your teammates or any of that kind of stuff. No,
6: I, I was never big in memorabilia, Jeff. I n- never was. Uh, I don't have any balls of uh, every once in a while you trip on one and, and I, Oh yeah, I signed that one or somebody signed one or there's a team ball somewhere. Uh, but I never was a big memorabilia person. In fact, I'm not even sure the, the industry was that big at the time. I remember when I was with the Yankees on the last day of the season, we we're in Toronto and Nick Perri, our, our clubhouse man uh, was collecting the uniforms. And I, I don't know. now, people just throw uniforms and you keep them and do whatever you want to and I guess you could then too but I wasn't big into it but I thought it would be nice to have a uniform well it wasn't there at the end of and I guess Nick knew what the industry and and where it was going and he he made his money he made his money uh, that way uh, as well and he was big into memorabilia so I'm I'm glad that he uh, he got a chance to to introduce some of that Uh, to me but I I really wasn't a big memorabilia guy but I but the other clubhouse guy at the time Pete Sheehy uh, who uh, was there with Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth wow and that was his last year and and Pete had a lot of stories that he he would he would tell I guess he didn't have the time to tell everybody but I would stay and listen because I like history I like to know how we got to where we are so um, it it was good to, to have that kind of person that had that much history there and I was willing to listen to every story that that he had Uh, but uh, no I I guess I really wasn't Um, I I it's amazing to me Jeff that that I'll get cards and everybody seemed like everybody has a night writes a nice letter Uh, they might reflect on uh, an interaction they had when they're Mother, father, grandfather, grandmother, aunt, uncle took them to a game. And I think baseball is so good for family unity and and remembrances. Um, I remember when my uh, aunt, Wincy, who's still around, uh, took me to my uh, first major league game. Uh, She was living in Patterson, New Jersey, and she took me to a doubleheader at Yankee Stadium against the Twins. And, and, um. Mudcat Grant pitched one of the games. Sure. And then later on, as I got older, I got a chance to interact with Mudcat and, and a lot of these charities, especially the ones on Long Island. And uh, so that was kind of cool. And then she dropped me off to another aunt, Edna, who was still around too. And, uh, and she took uh, my brother and her son and me to a uh, uh, first game at Shea Stadium, first National League game. And that particular game, Johnny Lewis got the only two hits that the Mets got off Jim Bunning. Uh, a homer and I think it was a homer and a double or a homer. And a, yeah, I think it was a homer and a double. And years later when Johnny was uh, hitting instructor, I think in the Cardinals organization and I was broadcasting or doing something and I was on the field and I went up to Johnny and, and explained the, the, my first National League game and, and to see him kind of smile because it was, a, it was a nice moment for him to, to get the only two hits in a home run. So he sure. remembered it very well. So it was, it's kind of nice to have all that, I'm, I'm sort of the liaison for all this in a way uh, but to have it all come full circle from a relationship that uh, my aunts took me to, to major league games my first major league games
2: yeah I was thinking we lost Nate Colbert the, the other day and he he was in the stands when Stan Musial hit the five home runs in a double header and then he went on and did it in <laughs> while he was playing and it just kind of you know
1: was,
6: I am like saying yeah. it, it's kind of full circle right yeah yeah it's just I, I tell people in fact I'll I'll tell them when they send their request that it's just a great and they, and they are very uh, honest and, and and seem to enjoy talking about how baseball has a relationship with the family member or, or friend that they'll always remember and I think that's really t- I don't think you do that the same way in other sports I, I think baseball maybe because of the slower pace you're allowed to have some interaction and, and to absorb uh, what it's like on the field, off the field. And right. Whatnot. And I think
2: it's generational, right? A lot of people went to their games with their grandmother or grandfather, like I did. And, you know, we it doesn't, that doesn't have to be necessarily a major league game, it's a minor league game. Every, you know, there's so many places to go, and everyone, you know, went to their first game with, with something that they loved. And, and it brings back great memories, I think.
6: Oh, yes. I I remember my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, who raised me for a couple of years, he and his wife, and he had a little store, uh, a little convenience store, and he had gravel, and I would take off a sawed-off broomstick, and I would bat. And I'm batting all the gravel out of his, didn't even realize at the time (laughs) he's got to pay for this gravel. (laughs) I think I was just last year that it dawned on me, oh, he's got to pay for all that, didn't he? He had to pay for all that. And... uh, and I'm sure he knew nothing about the game, but it was nice when he came up with the rest of the family uh, to Baltimore, which was the closest place to where, I, uh, major league place to where I grew up, and just to have him there, just it, it kind of chokes me up now that I think about it. But uh, then, and I, again, I'm sure he didn't know anything about what was going on. He didn't grow up with it. He was a, a coal miner in West Virginia somewhere. Uh, but to have him there and and to be around, knowing that it was something big that was going on it, it was something I had aspired to do and, and a lot of people were watching it uh, that was you just can't get those moments anywhere else and and it was nice to have that moment
2: yeah. are you surprised that people still write you and ask for request, uh, autographs uh you know you haven't played since 1986 you're retired but <laughs> people, people are still writing do you, you get a lot of requests
6: yeah, yeah jeff I, 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 you're, you're right I, it's been over 40 years uh, almost 40 years since i grounded the short the last time and uh, in a way i'm surprised that the cards are in such great condition they're all in great condition or, yeah. or mint condition and uh, uh, and as i get older there are not as many but i still get about 80 a month uh of people that's a lot yeah, yeah that's like, oh, the, the worst part jeff is that when I go on a vacation or go um, away from the house for two or three weeks at a time, and I come back, I'm going, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> no, Cause I'm i only good for more about, cards,
2: I, huh? What's that? You got? I know, no, I got to sign more cards. Oh yeah.
6: Oh my goodness, yes. Oh no, not again. Um, but it's, uh, I understand it. I, I, I understand it. I'm glad to be a part of a people's collection and. Um, I'm not very prompt. I have to tell you that right right off. I, just, I, I, was, I was taken out to recycling last night, and I ran across cards from uh, March.
5: Oh, yeah, no. Oh, my
6: goodness. How did this get lost? And sometimes if you ask for something a little out of the ordinary, other than just a, a signature and, and what have you, uh, I'll set it aside. And sometimes you don't get to it. Sometimes it gets <laughs> buried somewhere in the dungeon. Somewhere. I've had some cards. Oh my goodness! That that have been even longer than that. Oh, I've been, had years where all of a sudden the card pops up and going, "Oh my goodness!" Postmarked <laughs> seven years ago. They like, get lost. Yeah. Uh, my well, bad. Sorry, folks. Well, um, you were
2: fe- you were featured in over thirty cards that, that I, I gave account to. Is do you have a favorite card? A, uh, a card that you really like? I like the
6: one where I'm doffing my cap. Uh, it, it's a tough. It's a Yankees card. Um, it's not a tops. It's a, uh, I don't know which. Maybe it's a Fleer. It's either Fleer or Donruss. Okay. And um, but it's hard because the it's the practice jersey, which is a deep blue or whatever that midnight blue, I guess the Yankees used. And so it's hard for a blue pin to show up on that. Sure. So that's the bad part about that. Um, I don't like most I don't like I don't like there's one where it's so uh, underexposed that you can barely see me. There, it's not a, that's not a tops either, but it's when it's a Rangers uniform. I think it's one of our red jerseys, and you can't see me. I you can't like, see so you, yeah. dark, you can't see me. And I'm like, really? you couldn't, you couldn't have picked I'm sure that well, wasn't. Well, you know what, Billy, the, quali- the
2: quality control back then wasn't as what it was today, you know?
6: Uh, that, that that one I don't like, and um uh, and sometimes I'll just toss it away, <laughs> like yeah. i I'll substitute it with another card or something uh, um I think it, everything else i I kind of like uh yeah, I'm trying to think if there's another one I'm not real crazy about, but yeah, the doffing of the cap which is staged, but the doffing of the cap I, yeah. I, I liked, and uh except you can't write on it very well and um. But most of them I like. Most of them I, I like when you you have enough of a surface that you can you can write and uh, and not cover up too much. One time though, I almost quit. Jeff almost quit the whole business. I was on one one of these sites, and some person was criticizing Hank Aaron because he signed across the logo. And I thought, Are you kidding me? I know. I almost crazy. I almost like you are kidding me. I just I almost stopped stop signing after that. <laughs> folks have got to get a life <laughs> You're kidding me and uh, but for the most part people have been really good um um sometimes the, the part that gets a, uh, a burr under my saddle is if i've signed a card and i see it the same card somebody's uh, selling it on on the internet right on you, sure oh my goodness i just like and sometimes i can almost remember because i might even think oh like did that be a little different that time? And all of a sudden, I turn around. That's that same card. I'm signing for free, and somebody's selling this. Yeah, One, how much money could you get <laughs> off me? And two, <laughs> that's just inconsiderate. Um, and and I've started getting to the point where if I think I know who it is, I'll uh, I'll make a little mark on the card somewhere so that all right, I, you're going to go <laughs> sell it. Okay, I know who it is now. But when,
2: when you I'll were playing. About, be- when you were playing, did you ever, uh, try to buy a you know, buy a couple packs of cards to get your own card, you know, you're <laughs> out in the grocery store. Or... <laughs> <laughs> no, no,
6: not no, quite that, but not quite that vain, but I tell you, there's a story that I, and I wrote about it in my, my book, a year in pinstripes and then some, uh, shameless plug. I, uh, so we're, we're playing the Orioles at home and, and so we're around a batting cage and, and, uh, Brooks Robinson is doing the, the, he's the analyst for that particular evening. And so I've been in this spot before. I know you try to get a sense of the game, you get a couple of quotes. That's fine, help you get through the broadcast and stuff. So Brooks comes around and he's saying something very complimentary about my game. And I kind of look at him like, well, this Texas Heat's really gotten to you, hasn't it? (laughs) Yeah. i facing Flanagan and and Palmer and, and Storm Davis and Dennis Martinez and and uh tippy martinez and tim stoddard and, and i'm missing somebody here that was really obvious and um uh, mcgregor and uh, so yeah, i said yeah you you remember that game and um it seemed like it was a it was a team that was a battle for me and uh, so we we go through and i take finish my swings run around the basis and come back and brooks is still at it he's still complimenting me about my game so so i finally got <laughs> a little tired of it i said Brooks, I said I'm so whatever he was saying. I'm so uh, I'm so popular and I'm so good or what have you that my godmother-in-law, not, excuse me, my uh, grandmother in law uh, wife's grandmother um, can't find cards of can't find baseball cards of me. I said that's how popular I am. <laughs> so the, the next time we f- we faced him, Brooks hands me about a, a pack of of 40 of my cart. And I thought, <laughs> That's oh my goodness, this is Brooks Bleepin' Robinson doing this. I can't, it just, I, I, and I tell the story and I start to tear up because it just, it just, wow, and what a, <laughs> what a very nice gesture. And I hope that Brooks had, I'm sure he had somebody else do it, but still just to to think about that and to do that and to and to go three months later and, and to remember that and and to, and to be that gracious with his time and his thought process, and uh, it just it just touches me. It really does. And but that's typical Brooks. He's just he's just like that. And, uh, do you do you remember
2: seeing your first card, the first time you, you appeared on on a a, a top's card? Did was that was that something special for you at all?
6: Well, I I think it was special to me when I saw um, when I saw my name in. Uh, uh, think it was a jet or ebony magazine uh who would would show the the, the players of color and i and growing up and a lot of my growing up was in uh, more of a centralized african-american community i think that that kind of touched me because i would see that as I was growing up and all of a sudden hey there i am here with all the other people uh, the first card i guess was the rookie card it was uh the prospects card with with Danny Darwin and Pat Putnam, and I yep. think that's a pretty good card.
2: That's uh, a great I mean, card.
6: Yeah, I, and i, I got to apologize for somebody that I, I didn't see their request from March. <laughs> 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 because Danny's really good. Danny's great. Danny's the best. He he will sign every card I get. He's I would say about 75% of them, he's already signed. And I know he's a great signer from the times we were in. Danny and I came up uh, from double A AA to triple A to the majors uh, together. And uh, he's tremendous at it. Pat was a little harder to find. But recently, Pat, uh, now I see Pat all the time. And I'm the person now that people are having trouble to find. To find. <laughs>
1: but,
2: no, they get uh, your
6: signature. It's just a little delayed, right? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's it's on the way. Believe me, it's on the way. I just stuck him in the mailbox last night. Um. um I, I don't know. I, I think it's just I'm trying to think of what I, I maybe because I was around the game a little bit. I, I didn't um, I wasn't quite awed by it, um, but it was kind of, there are certain things that I, I, I liked. I think when I saw the the um, uh, the cardboard uh, APBA game, uh, yeah. when I saw my card and maybe because my cousin, and I played that when we were younger. And I'm arguing with, what do you mean? A 33 is a six. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. That that kind of Only people
2: that played that game know, know that joke. (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
6: Or, or that's not my nickname. I hate that name. You're calling me that for, um, so that, that was kind of, it was kind of neat in a way, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's also personal that it's like, Oh, that was kind of cool. And you go on to whatever's next. But, um, I, I, well, well, because uh, baseball cards, and especially tops, in the beginning, uh, that allowed us as a union to be very um, uh, well. We we could we could store some money uh, and made us a little more autonomous. I think. Sure. Um, as a union, because we made our money primarily uh, through baseball cards and, and tops for all those years. Uh, it was a battle to get tops to lose its exclusivity. And they feared that they would lose money. Well, when you open it up to all the other card companies, everybody made money. And uh, I was on the licensing committee. And um, so it was good to, to see that all of this expand and grow in the marketing. And, and um, I tell people that my first contract was 21000 <laughs> during the double-digit inflation days of the late 1970s. Yep. Let me tell you how far that didn't go. Uh, one, you're taking home 18000 in the big leagues. <laughs> in the
2: majors. Right, and you have to live I'm, a big league lifestyle, right?
6: Oh, my goodness. Now I, I guess it's closing in on 800000 You can make a living uh, as a, a first-year player on 800000 You can't make a living off $18,000. So uh, it's, it's different. So I, I'm happy for them. I, I, I try not to shake my head and say, wow, when I see a $33 million a year Player, uh, because we took some stands to allow for better workers' rights. And and I guess, uh, as an adjunct of that, uh, you get better salaries too. Uh, I I don't think I had any idea that it was going to, anyone had any idea that it was going to, the level that it has. uh, Some of it the owners brought on themselves. Uh, I think collusion kind of, which kind of ended in the, end uh, the end of my career but uh, they were found guilty of that uh, 280 million dollar penalty and uh, triple damages i think if they do it again so they kind of they kind of set their own table
2: right they got the slap on the wrist right
6: yeah well that was that was that was a slap that would last for a long time yeah uh, and it has lasted for them a long time but i don't know i guess everybody's making money i i don't I'm like a lot of people. I don't know how many times I can afford to go to games but no, <laughs> and I, I get in free. I get in free. I don't know. <laughs> I mean. um, but, um, and you hate to see people uh, uh, get outpriced or, or it's out of their budget. Or um, I hate to see minor league teams not there anymore uh, because I think it's a loss leader for your, your sport. Uh, whereas you might not make money off of that, but the, the PR that you get from having a team in your town or having a team close by or the feel that you can always go to a game. And especially with the minor league stadiums. Now everybody's got a beautiful stadium. The minor league stadiums no, are much so better nice, than man. the major league stadiums when I was coming up. Uh, everything I've seen nowadays is better than county stadium in Milwaukee, in Milwaukee or, or, uh, uh Com- oh, or, uh, so much better now. Uh, but I don't run things and, With my attitude, I doubt if they'll ever give me an opportunity.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're speaking with Billy Sample. Billy Sample played for the Texas Rangers from 78 to 84. He played with the Yankees in 1985, and he finished up his career with the Atlanta Braves in 1986. He has a book available on Amazon. It is called A Year in Pinstripes, and then some. Check it out. It's a great uh, book about his year as a New York Yankee in 1985, as well as uh, before that, in, in the Rangers and, so, and some of his coming up through, through the Majors. He also has made a movie. And Billy, why don't you tell us a little about your, your movie and you're working on a new one?
6: Well, Jeff, I'm going to tell you right off. You're probably too innocent for my movie. Um, <laughs> Reunion 108. Reunion 108, it's it's kind of a clubhouse movie. Uh, it's a strongly rated R movie. In fact, when I got the rating from the, the, the person from the Classification board. I was running around the house. I was so excited because I thought it was going to be an NC17. <laughs> 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 it was our. Uh, we had four players in it. Uh, uh, shoot, uh, Fernando Perez, uh, who stole a base in the World Series for the Rays against the Phillies in 2008. He was he was delightful. Uh, 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 let's see who else we had uh, a Sanio and uh or is it Jim it Jim to Joe 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 yeah uh and um oh my goodness i hated to start this cuz i uh left-handed pitcher with the Braves John from is it John Foster anyway uh it was a fun shoot um it, it was um i think everybody had fun we had about 25 SAG actors um i just wanted to see if i could do it I did it. <laughs> Can move on. It must have been. A, it's uh, a lot of work, right? Uh, well, I once I put together the 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 notes that I had to, to put it into a screenplay fashion, and my oldest son Ian helped a lot with that. Um, it was it kind of had a move to it. There are parts that had to be put together, um, like a lot of uh, movies. Uh, <laughs> I ran out of money. <laughs> Again, he didn't make a whole lot of money back in the day. I told everybody this is how much money I have to spend. And I think if you're under 40 years old, you've only known ballplayers to make millions of dollars, so you don't think that okay, he he was really telling the truth. <laughs> this is all the money he had right there. So it was a sag ultra low, but it, it probably ran a little higher than low. Um, but it, it's it's funny if you if you don't have your feelings hurt um it's not politically correct in some spots uh but it's it's fun it, it was uh it's a clubhouse kind of movie and I, I and people a lot of people really enjoyed it it's probably the kind of thing you would show at a at a fraternity party and is it
2: available on amazon prime or any of the streaming networks
6: it's uh the best way to get it is to go to its imdb page internetmoviedatabase.com yep and uh you can you can download it from from there i think it's like 2.99 or something to download it from there it's 10 years old um but it was it's a lot of fun yeah
2: um, and now you've got another one in the works you're working on a, on a, a sequel to it or a, a different oh event?
6: golly no yeah I, well i would love to i would love to I have enough i have enough information and, and, and enough of screenplay to, to write a sequel um but i, I uh, I'm, I'm still paying off some of my investors years later. So uh, <laughs> I got you. I, when, when, I, when, when I've given them back about 110% of their money, then I'm, I'm going to go, which might be next year, actually. But uh, I was contacted about um, a guy that I, I knew and I knew his dad. Uh, and uh, the script uh, from Jim Meredith, uh, he actually grew up in my town of Salem, Virginia. We went to different high schools. And he wrote a really nice, almost touching script. And everybody loves the script. And they've got Bill Duke to direct it, which is really a big time director for this, but it's called, uh, uh, yeah, the working title is, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, for, the love, for the love of the iron horse. Okay. And it's about an African-American uh, young, young boy, uh, who loves Lou Gehrig and, um, uh, and he's befriended by a white boy in town in a segregated Southern town in the 19, well, Lou Gehrig, uh, 1938, 1939. Okay. And uh, it's it's really, it's, it's a touching script, actually. And, and, and Jim Meredith wrote it from a lot of his experiences. And, and he's white. And he, he wrote it from his experiences in dealing with, uh, some of the people he had to deal with during the, the civil rights movement uh, uh, of the 1960s and, and going to school at that time. Um, uh, so we're, we'll see. They're, they're scheduled to shoot it in March, I believe. Uh, That's exciting. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think they're going to shoot it in Georgia because it's for tax purposes. Um, and I'm going to try to get this one right. I, I've been a part of a couple other movies that I'm going, ah. Uh, but they, they call me and well, and, and I think they're probably a little annoyed with me because in 1938, the the Yankees didn't broadcast. Back in those days, a lot of teams didn't broadcast because they felt yeah. that it was take away from the gate. So so when you're you're writing this and, and, and Jim's writing this and I'm saying, well, no, we have to use another team, maybe the Philadelphia Athletics broadcast because the Yankees didn't broadcast in 1938 they did in 1939 and I don't want to get hit with oh yeah somebody criticizing the movie from from right from the beginning because the, the biggest critics are going to be the baseball critics I guess right oh, that did it's, it's not yeah it's not really a baseball story per se but I I've, I've got to try to cover that as much as I, I can and and sometimes I get I'm sure they get a little annoyed with me but I messed up a couple I I was uh, Creative consultant, no, not even a creative consultant, but I, I was a, a to watch the baseball in Joe Torre curveballs along the way. It was a Showtime movie, and the producer wasn't allowed to, to be on set. I guess they got mad at him because he he went over budget or something. So I was. <laughs> was nice. I, I, that uh, happens, I, right? Uh, yeah, and it was about the Yankees nineteen ninety six World Series team, and um, and I and I, I had a big. A big premiere oh my goodness everybody was there and i held my breath the whole time i said okay well all right but right at the end and i don't know i wasn't in with the editing and right at the end they had a picture of um uh, mark Lempke at the plate foul ball andrew uh, andrew jones at the plate and it's like how, why did they do that and it was okay up until then it was uh, you might not have been overwhelmed by it but it had a night nice, and right but that was just and, a glaring and the, and the guy the guy error. was throwing it was playing paul O'Neill that threw the I'm going can't we make this punch a little closer to his face here i'll take the punch just go ahead and hit me but make it look real <laughs> um but that part was like oh my goodness oh that was not good and I, i'm i'm still apologizing to joe Tory. <laughs> well Billy, when we get closer to, to the release of the movie, I'll
2: have to have you on, maybe the director or somebody from oh, sure. the movie, and we'll 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 definitely promote the
6: movie. And oh thank and you, yeah, I out. think everybody I think even Red Sox fans will like this. <laughs>
2: it's,
6: it's, got, it's, it's, it's touching. It's, a, it's as a long touch. as I
2: don't have to watch Derek Jeter make some crazy play, a remarkable <laughs> play, <laughs> I can watch
6: it. Well, well, he, can't play, he can't play Derek Jeter, so maybe we can if he decided he wanted to be in the movie, we'll, we'll, we'll cover him up somehow. Uh, you'll know it's Derek Jeter, but it won't be Derek Jeter. There the you character. go. Uh, well, Billy
2: yeah. Sample, thank you very much spending time to, with you today, talking about your career, talking about collectibles. You have a new movie coming out, which is very exciting. Billy, why don't you let people know um, about the name of the book again, how they can uh, get the the movie that we talked about. And uh, you know, if they want to, if they want to follow you on social media, that as well.
6: Oh, well, thank you. Well, when I'm not getting um <laughs> locked down by uh, by Facebook, uh Facebook. <laughs> Sometimes you can reach me there although I'll, I'm always up against the 5,000. Uh a year in pinstripes and then some is the name of my book. Uh I um in 2018 I updated it and um it, it's it's not, I I'm kind of proud of that one. That's that's sort of PG-13. So everybody <laughs> Most people good. can read that. Um, and you can, you can get that on Kindle and Amazon. And um, the movie is Reunion 108. And do you know, Jeff, there's a baseball-centric reason for 108? I don't. What, what would that be? I'm that usually be pretty the, good. Yeah, well, if I gave you more time, you'd get it. Uh, the number of stitches on a baseball. Oh, okay. Reunion 108 and that you can get uh, from its imdb page and, and i think you can get it on amazon too but you can definitely go to its imdb.com page and and where they break down uh the theme and the, they give you the actors and, and uh,
2: yeah guys we're going to put a, we'll put a link on my website to both the uh billy's book on amazon and the reunion 108 movie uh if okay. you want to download that so
6: uh oh thank you thank you jeff yeah but warning it's kind of hard to promote and warn at the same time but warning <laughs> it's a strong art.
2: <laughs> yeah it's it's not it's not for your 10 year old your kids with yeah,
6: you you might want to put that block on the, uh, the kids are, or at least make them be 16
2: are you active on Instagram or, or any other social media?
6: Do you know I am? I have an Instagram, but I couldn't tell you how to get on it. I have a BillySample.com. Um, I have, a, a, billysample.com. Uh, I have a, um, a YouTube channel, which... Oh, I have a, a Willie Mays interview that people might really enjoy. It's Did you watch the Willie Mays
2: documentary that was on HBO? I don't... F- uh, no, I don't think I did. Oh, you should watch it. It's very, very well done. It's a great, it's a great, um, documentary on Willie Mays. And the one thing, uh, uh, Barry Bonds is interviewed a lot. Uh, uh yeah. He comes off as the best guy. He, I, I think he was the star of the, the documentary. I had a, I have a new respect for Barry Bonds after watching that documentary.
6: I tell you what, Jeff, one of the best conversations I had was, uh, during the 2002 world series angels and giants and it was in the clubhouse and uh, Bobby Barry's dad was breaking down Barry's swing. And it was, it was like, like a doctorate professor uh, just telling you about breaking down something that you would think it would be so
2: simple, right? It
6: just, Oh, it's a swing but no, there were so many different compartments to all of it that made it so cohesive for Barry to have uh, the success that Barry had. And I, it's one of those that I wish somebody else could have heard it because I couldn't regurgitate it. And I wasn't, we were just talking. I wasn't there for, for an interview Uh, and and I played with and against Bobby. And, uh, but that was just, you realize that Okay, that, that might separate you from somebody else because right, it's another team. level. You're like, oh, now yeah, I understand yeah. why he was so successful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And one time, I had uh, just a quick uh, aside. One time, I, I had a, a, a Dole Alexander broke down and a bat for me, and and he, he's a pitcher. And, and oh I, yeah, smart, right, but uh, Dole, and, but I but we were teammates when I first came up. But I guess he figured he'd probably face me somewhere in life, and he did. So he didn't really impart that kind of knowledge to me, but he broke down one at bat against John Tudor. Uh, this time Tudor's with the Cardinals, and and I hit John okay. But he, when he broke down at bat, I never could break it down. I could break down the next pitch, okay. If you he miss this here, you're gonna come there. But Dole sort of started with, uh, with with three different pitches to start with, and gave me the matrix of what's going to happen if he hits here, if he does that, it does that. and it was like, somebody turned the light bulb on, but that was my last year. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I just <laughs> want to get up there and hack. I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you're in and out of the lineup. Some, you if you if you can't really, you don't have the time or the opportunity to set up a pitcher unless you're in the lineup. And then sometimes I, I could do that, but Doyle broke it down. So, so well. And I thought, wow. And, and I understand it because Joe Morgan, uh, not the Boston Joe Morgan, but Joe Morgan, the late Joe Morgan. Yeah. Um, he, he, when he talks about um, figuring out the game, and that that kind of helped me figure out the game. And it was just one of those moments where you, and, and Joe certainly figured it out a lot earlier than, than everybody else, but there is a, a part of it when you can have all the talent in the world, but um, you, you've got to figure out, right it's like level. i wish
2: i knew that when i was 22 not not 35 yeah yeah yeah,
6: yeah it was <laughs> like and maybe i wouldn't have been able to absorb it at 22 I, I don't know or 23 when i came up but um but it was it's just it's so special that way uh, and what you see you see the end result but you often don't see everything that goes into it and uh, that's right necessary. it's a,
2: it's such a simple game from the stands, but really when you really dive into it it's very it's very uh, complicated and intricate and there's all such a stuff going on and you know the, well I think it's, I, it's, I think it was Ted Williams said it's one of the hardest things to do is to hit a baseball
6: and, yeah and, oh and it, it's really it's really not that easy no no and, and speaking of Ted one time later, and I know I'm running over time, but one time I was interviewing uh, Ted, I got an interview with Ted I didn't know I was going to get it, and we're talking and uh, and he knew, I knew how scientific a hitter he was. I knew if, he'd, if the sun had come out and it had been cloudy, he would feign something in his eyes. So his, his cornea pupils or whatever would dilate to the, the different lighting. And so I knew, and he, he could tell I could talk to talk a little bit. So at some point, he went from um, introductory level to postgraduate. And he could see in my face that I didn't quite follow him all the way through because I hadn't been there. <laughs> no right. And we kind of, it was long enough. It was on video. And of course, I can't ever find an interview, but it, it was about nine minutes. It was, it was long enough, I guess. But we could have talked forever if, if I, and on my way home, I realized what he was talking about. That's how long it, that's how advanced he was over. And I, well, not stupid, but it's just uh, another, another level. I hadn't, I hadn't been there. And uh, it took me that long to understand on my way home. Oh, that's what he meant by that. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I
2: mean, you know, these guys were great for a reason, right? They're, they're in the Hall yeah. of Fame for a reason. They, You know, they all have – everyone has the talent that's getting that that next level of, of passion, of, of the the head or whatever it is that, that makes those guys that much more special, I guess.
6: Yeah, and then you have some people like I, – I tell people there's nothing to me that when I watch – Dustin Pedroia play that said major league to me there was right. nothing that said major league but I'd pay to watch him play and I get in free and I would pay to watch him play that's it's just it's just so special like that with with the different combinations that make it work
2: you know I was going to ask you um this is that last question and I'll let you go I you know we've we've gone a long long time and I really appreciate your time today is there somebody in today's game that reminds you of you
6: Well, let's see. I hope he's rich. I hope he's good-looking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, somebody did ask me that once, and I don't know if I came up with an answer for that. Um, all right. I'll think about that in our next interview. Uh, all right. I'll, That's I'll, a deal. I'll, all right. come.
2: right. We'll, we'll come back. We will have another interview. I promise you, Billy. When Let me know when the, the movie's coming out, ready to come out. I'll watch oh, for certainly it. will. We'll definitely have you on. If we can have the director on or somebody from the movie, that'd oh, be... That'd be- better oh that'd be great
6: we'll we'll Uh, promote the heck out of it okay thank you jeff
2: thank you billy i really appreciate your time and it was a pleasure to meet you
6: it it was fun thank you
2: thank you all right drew that wraps up another marathon event right
0: yep
2: yep hopefully you enjoyed my time with billy sample i'd like to thank him for joining us billy uh if you listen to the interview is working on a new movie and when that movie comes out we're gonna have billy on with the director and talk about the new movie that's coming out we want to thank Andrew Williams, our, our longtime listener and friend and collector. In collector's corner, we want to talk, thank Les Wolf. Thanks, Les, for joining us. And, and more from Les, we want to thank um, you guys for for listening. This is a, probably, hopefully, this is our our last marathon show. And please listen to us on Wednesdays, right? Yep. Wednesdays at the uh, it's the TTMcast one hundred and one. I want to congratulate Scott Summers for uh, winning the three five by seven uh, image uh, photos that that were signed. I want to thank our friends at 757 Shows for donating those. Guys, next week on Wednesday, we have Ryan Sadzinski. He is from gemrate.com. We're going to talk to Ryan about grading and the grading numbers that they put out. And uh, it's a really fun interview. So uh, stick around for that next Wednesday. Then... Next week, next Saturday, for our regular TTM Cash show, we're going to speak with Jarrett Leahy, who is a super Boston Celtic collector. And we're going to have Les Wolf we'll back in for more from Les. So I think that's it, Drew. You got anything else you want to add before I let you go?
3: I think we're pretty well covered this week.
2: Okay, boys. Thank you, guys, ladies, gentlemen, everyone. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Hopefully, you enjoyed our show. We will have another raffle for you giveaway next week. We'll have all sorts of new TTMs for you. Make sure you tune in on Wednesday for Ryan Sadzinski from Gemrate.com, Guys, wishing you many happy returns. We'll see you hopefully next Wednesday. Be, a, be good. <laughs>